Room is ready. All right. Thank you. Welcome to the December 21st meeting of the Lawrence Douglas County Planning Commission. Um, I will note that today is the winter solstice, the longest night of the year. We'll hopefully not match that with the length of the meeting this evening. Um, but first, before we go, Becky Pepper has the particulars on our hybrid meeting this evening. Thank you very much, Chair. Good evening, everyone. My name is Becky Pepper, Planning Manager. Joining me here in the City Commission Room is Jeff Crick, Planning and Development Services Director, and Ellie Mullins, who'll be helping to facilitate the Zoom video portion of the meeting. And we will work alongside the Chair to facilitate the meeting proceedings. I do, as mentioned, I do have a few housekeeping items for this hybrid meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the City's YouTube channel and Cable Channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you're not speaking. The chat function for this public meeting is disabled. All chats will go directly to the Zoom facilitator. Unless you're participating during the meeting, please turn off your video. This will allow the active meeting participants to be seen on screen, and you will still be able to hear the meeting. And when you are participating, please turn your video on, and if you have any trouble, you can send a chat to the Zoom facilitator. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. And with that, I will now turn it back over to the chair. Thank you, Becky. Um, on to communications. Um, do we have any written communications to receive from the public? All were included as part of your packet. You? Do we have any communication, written communications to receive from staff, planning commissioners, or other commissioners? None this evening. Okay. Um, any written action of any waiver requests or determinations made by the city engineer? Also none this evening. Okay. Um, do we, anybody need to disclose ex parte communications for this evening? Okay. Um, any declaration of abstentions? No, seeing none. Okay, we are now at the po point where we have general public comment. Um, any member wishing to uh, comment on anything particular that is not on the agenda this evening? Is anybody in the room wishing to make a general public comment? Uh, Madam Chair. Yes. I believe we need to do ex parte. I did ask. We did? Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I just went I just fast. Sorry. Roll right over. I missed <laughs> on the line and my apologies. <laughs> So uh, nothing in the room. Anything online? Anybody asking to make a general comment? I don't see any hands. Um, so we will move on to our regular agenda this evening. Uh, first up is consider approving a final plat for the Mercado 3rd edition. Mary Miller, staff planner, will be presenting that project. Good evening, commissioners. Um, I will be sharing my screen. And as you mentioned, this is a final plat. It's a plat for the Mercado edition. And the Mercado development is located in the northeast corner of the intersection of West 6th Street and K10 Highway. It is this block. Um, it was preliminary platted earlier in about 2015. That preliminary plat was revised in 2018. And um, now the plat is being revised again with the final plat. Preliminary or final plats do not usually come before the planning commission. These are processed administratively, but the development code has a provision that if a final plat varies substantially from the preliminary plat, then it would be placed on the planning commission's agenda. And the planning commission would consider it based on the review criteria and action process of a preliminary plat. And if that final plat is approved, then 
it moves forward. And if this final plat is approved, we would update the preliminary plat file to record that. And this graphic shows the preliminary plat that was approved in 2018. And at that time, they platted very large lots as they didn't have any tenants available and they wanted to keep maximum flexibility for when um, uses were identified. This current plat is going to plat the area south of Mercado Drive. It's outlined in yellow. And you can see on the original 2018 plat, there were two lots, one west of Entrada Drive and one to the east, and there was a drainage easement in the northeast corner. The change that's being proposed is that um, west of Entrada Drive, there will be two lots. East of Entrada Drive, there will be five lots, and the drainage easement will be relocated to the center and will be, will be placed into a tract. And as these are significant changes, the Final plat is on your agenda. I don't know that we've ever had one that we've brought to you before, but this is the process when it does vary between the preliminary plat and the final plat. So as the plat, as I mentioned, does not comply with all the review criteria, primarily that it does not conform to the preliminary plat and it does not include the same proposed dedications. Um, Technical adjustments are permitted, but there will be new utility easements dedicated to serve those new lots that are being created, and therefore it's on your agenda today. So when we look at the plat, we look at it with the review criteria that you look at with preliminary plats, and these are all discussed in the staff report, and the, the land division being proposed as final plat does uh, meet all these review criteria. And this uh, plat was brought before you in November. However, it was deferred at the request of the applicant. And at that time in the staff report, there was a condition that all the recommendations in the traffic impact study that the city engineer determined were necessary would be provided by the applicant. And the applicant asked for additional time so that the uh, specific changes that would apply to this phase could be identified. And so during that time, the consulting firm, Erlson, they did look over the traffic impact study. They provided a list of changes they felt applied to this phase. Staff and the applicant met, and um, there was a staff memo in your packet which listed those changes that staff identified that would be required with this phase. And in that staff memo, it also contained a list of um, revised conditions, with one of the revised conditions being a, a much more specific list of those changes that are needed based on the traffic impact study. So staff recommends that the Planning Commission find that the review and action criteria of the preliminary plat have been met and approve the final plat subject to the conditions listed in the December 21, 2022 memo. And these are summarized on the next page. Uh, the first one is that a drainage study will be provided to ensure that that drainage um, easement in the tract in the center will be adequate. If there's any minor changes needed, they'll just be made to the plat. And also the, that the improvements or changes recommended in the traffic impact study for this phase of the development would be completed as part of the plat or of the public improvement plans. And there are seven changes, basically six changes. Uh, there's changes to certain driveways. And then there are changes to the Mercado Drive or to George Williams Way um, that are listed in that traffic impact study in that memo. It specifies these specific changes. And then the last condition is that the applicant is responsible for the cost of the traffic impact study. And the city engineer has agreed to attend the meeting today in case you have any questions on these specific um, requirements. He's here to answer your questions. 
And I believe the applicant is also present today, but that concludes my presentation and I'll be happy to answer questions if you have any for me. Thank you, Mary. Um, for the applicant, we have Chris Storm of Storm Engineering. Good evening, Planning Commissioners. I'm not Chris Storm. Okay. I'm Matt Goff with Barbara Emerson Law Firm. That is Chris Storm. Uh, I'm also joined today by Mr. Tim Fritzel and Mr. Steve Schwada with K10 Development. The application was submitted in June. The plat application is submitted in June. It's heard in August. But in this case, the city invoked a special section in the code, section 20-913D to engage a company called Olson, which is a traffic engineer. They're an engineering firm, but they did an engineering study. And the code section in question says that if the, city, if the city would like, they can require that a third party engineer be retained and that the, the applicant pay for it. Uh, so that's, that's what they invoked. Now we objected to that request. We met with the city manager, we met with the city staff and asked that for this Mercado third edition, the requirement for a third party traffic study be deferred or just wait until we get further down the road. Well, that request was denied. First, Olson studied the entire Mercado subdivision. So if you know what Mercado is, 6th Street to the south, George Williams Way to the east, K-10 to the west, Rock Chalk Drive to the north. It's about 120 acres. Um, so today there's a hotel in the northwest corner and LMH West in the northeast northwest corner. Um, last month the applicant requested a deferral because the Olson study of the entire subdivision identified numerous public improvements uh, those were summarized, I think, in your packet that you saw before the update. Some of those items were kind of described. But neither Olson nor the city staff could tell us last month which of those improvements apply to the Mercado 3rd edition, which is about 18 and a half acres on the south side of Mercado Drive, just on the south side along 6th Street. Uh, Olson indicated about a month ago that a specific study, in addition to the big study, would be needed to study just the third edition. And that the scope of that limited study was not something they had done before with the big study, so they uh, required that there needed to be a change in their scope of work and there needed to be an additional fee on top of the not insignificant fee that they charged for the big study. K1040 promptly provided the requested information and requested that Olson prepare the smaller study. But it wasn't until October 14th that the city staff and Olson confirmed to us what the specific requirements for the Mercado third edition would be. There are seven requirements in that memo. Uh, we have no additional comment or questions about six of them. But with respect to the second condition, and it pertains to driveway E, and that, that means absolutely nothing to you unless you see a picture of it, and, and perhaps Mary can uh, get it on the screen. I don't, I don't have the ability to show it to you, but uh, either that or an aerial photograph. Entrada Drive is the north-south street that 
is located west of George Williams Way. And it conveys traffic north, and then it runs into Mercado Drive, and when it turns further north, it becomes Renaissance Drive. What the requirement is, is that there be a uh, dedicated northbound right turn lane with 100 feet of storage and taper length uh, meeting local and state design guidelines. So as you're driving west on 6th Street and you turn right to go north, and if you wanted to enter into the east half of Mercado 3rd Edition, you would have a turn lane so that you could make that right-hand turn. Now, during a recorded Zoom call with Olson's representative in the city, Olson's representative admitted that this requirement is ultimately not something that is attributable to this third edition plat only. This is more of a condition of the larger study piece, and that is where this recommendation is coming from. We've had subsequent conversations with the city. We requested that this requirement be removed because if it was a requirement of the bigger study, and, and understand what the bigger study is, the entire Mercado development with a big area in the middle, zone CC600 that might someday house a big box retail or any number of different intense uses. And they studied it in year 2040. So 20 years from now, 18 years from now in the future when it's fully developed and everything's done, what are all the traffic improvements we're gonna need for Mercado? Well, we're gonna need a turn lane on driveway E to get us from here. So the, the, today with just the third plat, if you looked at it in a vacuum in isolation, I don't know that that requirement would have came up, but for the fact that Olson had done this big study previously. So we requested that the driveway be deferred until such time that future development in Mercado happens. And at that time, if a turn lane's warranted, that can be a requirement of the next plat or the next one after that. It's not a question of whether, it's, it's when. And by deferring it, it makes the development of the third edition today much easier, much more economically feasible. Uh, the city engineer is here, I'm sure he'll He'll say it, but he believes it serves the lots on the subject plat and deferring construction until after the lots develop does not best serve the interests of the businesses or the traveling public. I think that's essentially his response. And he's a professional. I'm not, I'm not arguing with him, but we objected because traffic on Entrada is so light today and it'll remain light until more development happens to the north. In the end, K1040 asked for some help. We want to defer the construction of that turn lane. We just built Entrada Drive in 2018. There's new sidewalks. There may be utilities underneath the road. We've got to check on that. But we're taking essentially a brand new road, brand new sidewalk, widening it, adding a turn lane, because someday Mercado is going to be really busy. Um, we have... Um, we, you know, the city had a choice, I think is, is the point. We asked for some help. We would have preferred not to do this study now. We would have preferred to be here in August. We'd prefer not to build the driveway yet. And all those requests we've made to the city staff have been denied. I figured it didn't do any harm to ask you for the same help. But 
all along, our, our main concern and our main objective is to move forward. These, this plat will create seven new lots, and we have more than one under contract. And this delay in getting the plat approved has posed a bit of a challenge for us and the people who are interested in these lots. So one way or another, we're at a point where we need to, we need to move forward. But our, our you know, Christmas wish would be to have the plat approved without the requirement for the driveway. Uh, that's requirement number two, driveway E. But failing that, please approve it as it's been submitted to you so we can keep moving. I'll stand for questions. Thank you. Could you state your name again, I didn't, Mr.? My name is Matt Goff, G-O-U-G-H. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, do we have any uh, public comment? We're going to move for public comment right now. Um, I don't see that there's any public comment in the room. So I will look online to see if there is any public comment on this project online. Seeing none, seeing no public comment, I'll bring this back for the commission to the commission for discussion. I do have a procedural question for staff right off the top. Given that we haven't seen a final plat before like this, is there any sort of uh, procedure we should be aware of in entertaining the request made by the applicant? Is there any special uh, procedure involved in that? Or is that just a condition? It's just a condition. condition. It's kind of similar with other conditions that you have, you're able to modify or strike them or add them as you see fit in the instance. So just, just a normal item as a condition in that respect. Okay. Thank you. Can we, can, can we hear from the city engineer? If, what I'm yeah. not sure what what, oh, what is there well name? if if the city engineer could comment that and I was actually going to wonder wondering also if Mary if you are able to put up that particular driveway, driveway yeah. on the screen and show us where that is and then if the if um, the city engineer could comment on that I uh, may be wrong. I believe it's here, but David could explain if I've got that drive correct. This is an access easement, and uh, yeah. Dave, the driveway is on Entrada Drive. Is this it? Yeah. Yes, Dave Cronus, the engineer. Mary, I think in your packet, maybe sheet 21 or 22, there's a aerial image that may better illustrate the turn lane. Okay, I'll see if I can find that. <clears throat> But ultimately, yeah, I think Matt um, stated uh, my my response to deferring the uh, um, turn lane into the future. And essentially, you know, in my opinion, the, the access is being built will be built to these uh, lots in this in this plat. And uh, we know that a, a turn lane um, would be warranted in the future with future development. And I think it would be in our best interest to have it built at this time so that we don't need to go back and build it in the future after um, these lots have been developed. It will cost more, it will be inconvenient, and we'll be reconstructing that access drive. Um, so ultimately, um, uh, since it is directly related to these lots, uh, it is my opinion that it would be 
best to construct it now. And um, I think it would be uh, poor planning if we did not do that. Um, so that's the uh, a schematic of <clears throat> what it would look like. Um, so that's the driveway either end of the site and then um, the northbound right turn lane. So if it were not built today, that you know the access would be constructed to Mercado Lane, uh, and we would need to at some point in the future come back in and reconstruct that um, the east side of that intersection to put in the turn lane. And I think knowing what we know based off the traffic study for the development, it's going to be needed in the future. Um, and so um, although um, this, the, the lots with this plat does not warrant it, it will be warranted in the future. So um, with that, uh, I think it's stand for any additional questions you may have. Yep. Thank you. Other questions from commissioners? Yes, Commissioner so Thomas. Is, it, is there such a thing as standard procedure where these guys are developing, what'd you say, 18 acres out of the 130? Oh, was that? <laughs> that was quick. <laughs> so out of the 120, is it standard procedure that the entity that starts this project would be responsible for the cost or what might occur in the future. Yeah, Dave Crunch, the engineer. Um, I think every project's a little different, right? But it's standard procedure on a preliminary plat to do a traffic study for that preliminary plat area. So for this, for the entire Mercado edition, there was a traffic study that was submitted with the last preliminary plat. Um, there's been other, there's been traffic studies, several traffic studies have been submitted for this area in the past. Um, when the last, um, when there was a final plat for the LMH uh, lot, um, the traffic study for the entire site was not approved but we allowed that um, lot to be final platted and go forward. And there was a stipulation at that time that when the next uh, platting occurred, that this the whole development again would be studied. Um, so I think it is generally, it is really important for us to not just look at isolation at um, a couple of lots, but to look at, the bigger picture, uh, the transportation system is a network and it shouldn't just be uh, looked at in isolation. So I think if, you know, our best practices for uh, looking at uh, re doing traffic studies is to look at uh, an area that's wider than just um, a specific uh, uh, area or a, in this case, the Mercado third edition. So. Yeah, I think it was appropriate uh, to look at the the uh, uh, the area of the uh, that was submitted with the last preliminary plat, and um, so that's kind of a standard practice. Is there was there any consideration that um, 
these guys would pay a portion of that right turn and that whether the city would pick up the cost and then get it back from other developers, is that ever a, a consideration? Um, it, it was not a consideration for this. It was not discussed with this. <clears throat> there are instances where um, improvements are warranted and it could be um, paid for by multiple um, benefiters or uh, other development areas. Um, that's not the case with this. Um, the city does not uh, typically participate in public improvements for private development projects, um, but it is not completely uncommon for uh, public improvements to be borne by a, a larger area, but for a turn lane, that is not that is not typical. So this is a turn lane adjacent to the the uh, uh, lots being platted. And so um, in this instance, um, I think it would be, you know, the development would, would be required to pay for it. Is there any requirement so um, that this big box store, whatever else goes in there, that they would reimburse this group um, as they come in and build? No, there, there would not be an expectation of that. And we don't, at this point, know what is going to go into the go into the north but um yeah that is not that was not being considered with this uh traffic study it would be my understanding that would be contractual between the developers and whoever wants to lease or purchase the land to work out that could be part of the lease price or the purchase price the city would be out of the out of the picture at that time mm -hmm. Other comments from commissioners? I have a question for Becky or Jeff, just about the process that we're in here. Since this is the first, well, it's the first final plat I've seen. Um, what the normal process is what? It's administratively approved? Correct. Preliminary plans are what you would typically see, and then you would approve them and have conditions of what applied to them at that point. And a final plat is administrative. As long as the plat that is submitted meets the requirements of the code and is substantially similar to the preliminary plat, it's administratively, again, administratively reviewed and approved by staff at that point. But for in the instance of the, this one deviating so greatly from the preliminary plat, that is why you are seeing it in the instance. Which once the, there is an administrative decision made, there's a right of appeal to the city commission. Correct. And in this instance, that is the same thing. It would be since you are hearing it is that it could be appealed. Your decision could be appealed to the city commission ultimately on that decision. Mm -hmm. And remembering this in 2018 and remembering the hotel and remembering the hospital and all the different changes and design ideas for this spot. I mean, it was, it's no big surprise that 
there were there was a change from the sketchy preliminary plat. I think that was part of what we heard at that time that we knew this was going to change. So which part of the changes? I know Mary went through it, but I'm just want to reiterate it a little bit. Which part of the changes actually triggered the provision that brought it back to us as opposed to administrative approval? Mary will correct me if I'm wrong here, <clears throat> but it was the change in the eastern lot where it was configured as on a lot as a single whole lot, and then it's being proposed to be divided into multiple lots with a tract for for drainage. That is what constitutes the trigger to bring it back. So, in a normal process, in administrative approval, there would just be the input from all the the city all the necessary inputs from all the city departments and engineers, and that would be reviewed for consistency with, with the codes, correct? Correct. Which would just result in an approval in most cases. Typically, yes. And what we've heard here tonight is there had been objections and those had all been considered along the way until we got to this point with what's presented to us? Correct. Okay. So if we were to make modifications to this final plat, what would be the result? We'd actually be deciding on the design? Effectively, yes, in some respects there. And the key to remember with platting is it's a ministerial function. Either It either meets all the marks or it doesn't. So the, the granting of a plat is does it meet those marks or it doesn't. So if it has the, the hallmarks for the code requirements, that, that's one aspect to it. The discussion about a conditions on that, which is typically done with staff as, as part of that process, you're seeing it as just a bit... You're kind of serving in that role that staff would typically see. Is there's a condition on the plat? Has it been met? Or what needs to be put there to ensure that public improvements are included in a way that substantially satisfies either the traffic study or the requirements that the city engineers have determined to be necessary. This puts this in a very odd situation for the Planning Commission because in general, when we make recommendations, they're just recommendations. Or in the case of variances, if we make a decision, it can be directly appealed to the city commission if we were to make modifications to this final plat, who would have the authority or the standing to actually appeal our decision to the city commission? So, excuse me, 2813 F3 states that a decision of the planning commission, any person, excuse me, a person aggrieved by the decision of the planning commission under the subdivision regulations, uh, skip the part where it talks about the county, may appeal the decision to the city commission. Such appeal shall be filed within 30 days of the date of the planning commission meeting at which the action appealed was taken. An aggrieved person would be somebody that's affected adversely by what our decision was. Correct. And in this case, that would have to be the city's professional staff. <laughs> this is like being on the BZA, where it, <laughs> where the the city might have to, you know, challenge itself. That um, <laughs> apt description. <laughs> I mean, I, the whole thing makes me just a little bit uncomfortable. We're being asked to step into the shoes of the traffic engineer that's made a recommendation, and we already have an avenue that the applicant 
if they're unhappy with what the final plat is, they would be the agreed party that could take it to the city commission. And to me, that seems the more appropriate body to make modifications to something like this. Um, because although we're doing land use, we are not, we typically rely on the findings of the engineers. And we don't have conflicting engineering reports. We just have an objection to the timing of when this has to be built. <clears throat> Am I correct in that? that? That is my understanding too. All right. Thanks. Yes, question. I think I'm mm -hmm. pretty clear on this. I just want to make sure. I mean, this is exactly the kind of thing that that would be happening behind the scenes that we would never see, right? This um, adding a turn lane or something is exactly what staff would put into a final plat through the administrative process uh, normally, right? So this is a normally this is a typical decision that the staff would make that we would never see. Is that correct. Mm -hmm. Yes and no. Usually you would actually see this with the preliminary planning process as part of that. That would be part of the comments and the conditions that would come up as part of that process is that the traffic study would have been submitted, the engineers would have reviewed it, and you would see a preliminary plat that would ensure that the rights of way were sized correctly and had the right details to allow for, for those items to go and, and move through. So it can happen there. It can also happen as things escalate as we're going into final plats, that maybe a condition has changed in the years and it needs to be addressed, or there has been a uh, one that jumps to mind is, you know, that sometimes a state department of transportation will make a change that then substantially requires an alteration because there's now a plat restriction or another entity's done something that makes it a little hard to do. And that would be a modification you would see at the final plat. And those would typically be handled administratively if they could be. But usually you would have the conversation about traffic studies and these kind of things at the preliminary plat stage. But there are significant changes like this between that process where we might see it and the administrative final plot where we would never see it again. There's very specific standards in the code that says when it can be modified and not constitute coming back. And so there is some bounds to that one of it, you know, there's an easement needs to be moved or adjusted to, to fit a pipe or if there's, you know, you go out and you field survey something and suddenly find that there's something else there that you couldn't see before. There are some modifications and movements that occur, but it's very limited and there are bounds around what that is before it escalates back for review by the, the body. Question. Yes. So, Jeff, so if we approve this as is with the conditions mm -hmm. as as presented, can the can they as the aggrieved party then go to the city commission? Yes. Okay. Okay. Are there cases with final plats where as construction commences that there's this, there are discussions with the city about timing? and when things actually have to go in, or does this trigger some code section that I wouldn't be aware of, because we never see them, um, that things have to happen within a certain time period? You might ask, yeah, have Dave Cronin correct me if I'm wrong here, but there are instances where as a project progresses, sometimes we find that there is the need for a public improvement change or a modification that does come through. And those are typically handled with the construction and the design processes as part of that. And so, yes, that does happen from time to time, but usually not not a substantial item necessarily as a, as a lane adding or a, a box culvert dropping in suddenly out of thin air. But there are instances where that does occur typically. And 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 Dave, please correct me if I'm out of my out of my memory on that detail. <laughs> no, no, you're you're correct, Jeff. 
yeah, that happens from time to time with final plats with access or sidewalks. We have public improvement plans, but <clears throat> I, I can understand the concern and why we're hearing what we're hearing from Mr. Goff tonight, because we've had these discussions before about putting in sidewalks too soon and then they're destroyed in the construction and had to be built again. That's why I'm asking if there's a process that, you know, those types of decisions are made elsewhere without us actually changing this. I mean, is I'm just asking what kind of flexibility is built in because for all we know, they might just, they might come back with yet another altered final plat that would go to you because it wouldn't be so different from, you know, what this is that required it to come to the planning commission. I'm just thinking there's lots of possibilities out there for negotiation still for, for negotiation to still take place between the developer and the city about how they proceed. Yes. Am I correct? You are correct. Okay. Commissioner Carter. If I could just get a, a, a clarification, I'm not sure if it's from Mr. Cronin or someone else in staff about the sequence that led to the, the request for the tra the third party traffic study, because we understand that, um, the code requiring the planning commission to review the final plat was triggered because of changes in the preliminary plat that exceeded what was considered, you know, acceptable first uh, administrative review. But at what stage in that process then did the um, request for the third party traffic study get invoked? Dave might have to help me with my dates here. I don't have it off just off the top of my head. But when the LMH edition portion of this plat was filed, there was a note that was put to the file by the planning director at the time that said that any future improvements or site plans or a planning action would constitute and require a third-party traffic study to be invoked because there was the disagreement on the study that was involved with the planning at that time. Mm -hmm. And so that was how that got brought around was it was a note that was left in files and saying this, the city engineers did not agree with the traffic study related to that addition. And then therefore we would need the third party to, to verify the, the build outs and ensure that everything was put in place at that time. So I think that was about 2018 if I'm if I'm working correctly from my memory, maybe 2019, but in that time. Yeah, you're correct, Jeff. Okay. <laughs> Commissioner Thomas. So whoever out there, does one of you or a group own all of that 120 acres that is still undeveloped? Okay, so it, it, is it possible to get, I, I just think the 18 acres and you're paying for all of this on what might happen, is it conceivable that you would get money back from whoever else goes out there and chooses to build is that I, I don't know how business works but is that even feasible if you could step up to the podium please thanks okay. the i think you're thinking of this in terms of a fee that's paid by someone later uh i think commissioner carpenter had the right idea in that Someday in the future, when lots sell to someone else, they will sell for a price. We don't know what the price is. Right. Some people would hope it is really high. Others will want it to be lower. 
but we don't know. So, you know, we would hope that in the end that this development would become profitable, but that's the risk you take in, in this real estate development. But it's not a question of if it's built, it's just a question of when. So I want to, I want to have my box store out there. And so I want 35 acres out of this. So I come to you and I say, I want this 35 acres and here's what I'm going to do. And you'll say, Gosh, Charlie, we'll sell it to you. And you're going to have to pay an extra $100,000 to help us pay for that right turn lane. I don't know that it would be so specific. I mean, it's a price and the price is a number. I mean, who knows? And they have to agree to pay it too. We just don't get to ask for whatever we want. But um, I can give some clarity on that 2018 letter if anyone wants to know. So, I mean, yes, there were letters in 2018. The plat was submitted in June. Comments were back in mid-July. Responses to the first round of comments came in early August. And then on August 3rd, the staff, I think, found this 2018 letter and remembered that they said they were going to do this. And that's when that process began. And then it was mid-November when we got the big study back or the conclusions of the big study. We didn't actually get the actual traffic study. And then mid-December when we got the little studies conclusions back. So that's what slowed it down so much. But yes, I mean, there was a letter from 2018. On the one hand, the city could have done that study in 2019 or they could have done it in 2020 or 2021. They didn't, you know, that's okay. We didn't, we weren't going to ask them to, but it happened at the 11th hour, we think. I mean, right or wrong, it, it did. And that's why it's December and not August now, although I wish it was August. Thank you. Tomorrow, we'll really wish it was. I, I know, I'm getting there. Commissioner DeVore. Uh, Matt, can I uh, clarify? Yes. So um, what, what are the harms, like if if this gets approved tonight without your request, what, what are the harm? Can you just state the harm? I know you've kind of gone over them, but what, how are you, how is the party affected? So in other words, if you approve the plat as submitted to you by staff, right. that would require the turn lane. So right. the 2020 cost of developing the third edition is higher than it otherwise would be because we have to design and build this turn lane with public improvement plans and consider how to relocate whatever utilities are under there, if any, and pay for it and do it at the same time that we're trying to build access roads and others may be trying to build vertical structures to open a business. Um, and, and I would say, why? Is it because traffic northbound on Entrada today is so, so heavy that cars would actually stack up from the intersection of Mercado Drive and Entrada all the way down to 6th Street? I mean, it's a, it's a right turn and then a right turn I, I'm not, and I'm not an engineer. I'm not arguing with with Mr. Cronin and why he thinks he needs it. I mean, that's his prerogative. We just think that, given a choice, if the city were of a mind to be accommodating, I don't know that it's just black and white. Like, oh, you just you have to do this because it came from the big study. The big study says someday, when Mercado is all this, you're going to need it. And you know, we hope he's right because we want that for Mercado. Mm -hmm. But today, for this third plat, I don't think we need it. That then that's the point. So our ask was just, you know, let us build it later. And if the answer is no, you have to build it now. What's the alternative? I mean, nothing or build it now. I mean, there's no choice. The road, the turn lane would have to be built. Uh, the preference would be not to. Mm -hmm. Thank you.
Other questions? Uh, Commissioner Munch. Yeah, th thank you. I, I have a follow-up question for the applicant. Uh, just it, thinking about costs and, and harms, ju just, just to clarify, uh, those same costs and harms would exist whenever this is done. Is, is that accurate? I mean, whether it's done now or in five years, you'd still have to undertake the cost of designing it and figuring it out and undoing what's already there. Yeah, unless you believe that everything will be free in the future. Yeah, it'll cost money in the future, probably cost more money too. But uh, it's it's a business decision that the applicants base think, basing this upon. And a, again, just a preference on their own because the scope of what they're producing, the product that they're making today are seven lots in the Mercado 3rd edition. That's what they have to market and sell. They don't have any more than that. And those lots will sell for some amount of money there's a top end and the bottom end is not, you know, there's there's some amount of revenue that comes from the sale of those lots. And with that revenue, they had hoped to build Mercado Drive all the way over to George Williams Way and all the, the internal, the connector streets and the detention ponds and anything else like that that goes into it. Um, so there's there's already a slate of things to do. And so we're just trying to phase it to match with the steps we're taking. Hopefully that makes sense. Thank you. Thanks. Commissioner Munch, did you have any further questions or comments? Uh, yeah, maybe a, a separate question for staff. So if this turn lane wasn't uh, approved in connection with this platting tonight, when would something like that typically conceivably come before the planning department Again, is that in, in connection with the planning of the rest of the development or a site plan? When would that arise? Commissioner Munch, I think you, you broke up a little bit there, but it was the question of if if it was not a turn lane, when would we see the turn lane come in if it was not there to at, at the time of planning, correct? It, that's exactly right. There was there was reference to potentially deferring this this aspect of the development, and I'm just curious, how would that even come back to the planning in the future? Usually, those come up through the site planning process or one of the site development processes, where we do what's called uh, we, we've nicknamed it called a seven-step traffic study. But it can also, if there is enough instance that requires another full-blown traffic study, sometimes those will come up at that. But it's usually a part of a development review application, like a site plan or a development plan, at which point we would see that. And then the city engineering department would take a look at it to make sure it met the the uh, warrants and requirements to have the lane at that point in time. So that would be a, a kind of typically when they would pop back up again. Got it. Thank you. All right. Any thoughts on this? I'll, I'll start with just saying that um, I'm, is inclined not to second guess um, staff and the, the traffic engineer um, for this particular project. I appreciate Commissioner Carpenter's taking us through that sort of procedural um, thought experiment there um, and kind of agree with where that was going, um, whereas the applicant has an avenue um, if we approve it as is uh, with the recommendations from the city engineer and the planning staff. Um, that would normally occur with a final plat. Um, just my initial thoughts. I share in those those same thoughts. I, I think that was a, a good, concise 
summation of, of uh, my feelings here. So thank you. Yeah, I'm also going <clears> to <throat> vote no because there is the avenue for city commission review, which I know is going to be taken advantage of, knowing what I know <laughs> about Mr. Goff and and how long this project's been in the pipeline. Um, and it's so close to doing something, which I'm so glad to finally see, because I know this got bumped off the rails with the 2008 recession, and it's taken a long time to get back up to getting things in here. And it's been really slow, so it's good to see we're there. But I don't want to you know, substitute our judgment for staff by doing so, leaving staff in the position of having to appeal that to the city commission, when I think it would be better to have the applicant appeal it. And if there are modifications, they'd be made by the governing body, which usually makes these types of concessions to businesses and they have the authority to do that. And we really don't, because this sounds more like a financial matter, a business decision as was stated, and that's beyond our purview, but, and there's still an avenue for that to go to the, the body that actually has the authority to make those decisions. So I think that's probably what should happen with this. So I'll be voting no. Well, depending on how the motion goes, it would might not necessarily be a no, but um, well, we're the, the yeah. I would, but, uh, I would yes, be voting as, in as favor is. of the, the plat and against any modifications. And did I not hear you say you want this done tonight? You want this approved, even if you don't like what we would approve? Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. I yes, I have too much more. Yeah. I, I would agree. Um, I think my reasoning would be has already been expressed in the sense mm -hmm. that I think we should leave it to the staff, particularly since this is something that is in their purview. And um, so I'm inclined to leave it that way, let the applicant appeal it or choose to just move forward um, for the sake of time. Yeah. And so, I mean, our option is really if mm -hmm. it's just yes or no. I mean, like, what would a no vote even mean? Right. Because mm -hmm. if, if we're not going to add an exception to the to the vote right it's it's really it's really yes for the development so they can then appeal it would be a yes with a new condition with it, yeah we could we could add a condition we could add a condition if we if we so chose we could yeah. add a condition. Well, I, I suspect there are not enough votes to add a condition mm -hmm. i i mean just mm -hmm. I, I don't i don't think there are there. so would somebody like to make a motion that is um before us our motion or isn't here tonight. I know. <laughs> so, so it's going to be some of the newer folks to sort of give it a try. Yes. I don't have it all in front of me. <laughs> I can go ahead and. Okay. Okay. So uh, approve the final plat PF 22 00218 for Mercado third edition located at 6200 West 6th Street subject to the conditions listed in the staff report. Great, do I have a second? Second. Commissioner Carter, any further discussion? Oh, I lost Commissioner Munch on my, there he is, okay. Um, no, then could you call the vote please, Jeff? Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Duvor? Yes. Commissioner Hayden? Yes. Commissioner Munch? Yes. Commissioner Thomas. Yes. Motion passes seven to zero. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Safe travels tonight. Thanks. All right, we're on to um, number two on our regular agenda. Consider to making a finding related to a request to use tax increment financing for the crossing project. Becky Pepper is the staff presenting this project. Thank you very much and good evening. As stated, I'm Becky Pepper, planning manager. Uh, this item before you tonight is to consider making a finding that the crossing TIF area plan, area one plan is consistent with plan 2040, the comprehensive plan. The reason this is before you tonight is that the developer of the proposed project has requested the utilization of a tax increment financing district uh, for um, eligible reimbursement project costs. Um, in instances of those requests, state statute requires that the Planning Commission review the project plan for its alignment with the comprehensive plan. Your action tonight is one step in the, rev the review process, and there are other bodies also included in this review process as it relates more specifically to the tax increment financing component of the request. For example, last month, the City Commission held a public hearing for feedback on the establishment of the tax increment financing district. And last week, the uh, Public Incentives Review Committee met to consider the project and voted to forward a recommendation for the project to the City Commission. And ultimately, the last step in this process is that the request would go back to the City Commission for their final consideration of that formation of the Tax Increment Financing District. So to reiterate, um, the action tonight is one step in the overall process, and the Planning Commission's role in the process is limited to determining if the proposed redevelopment plan is consistent. is included in an, in an attachment in your packet, and it's labeled TIF Project Plan, The Crossing Lawrence. Uh, it's in the attachment section of the agenda item report. The overall project area consists of approximately 80 acres and is located approximately at the northwest corner of Clinton Parkway and Iowa Street, although there is a portion located on the east side of Iowa Street. The overall project contains two project areas referred to in the plan as Project Area 1, which is the area highlighted blue in, the, in Exhibit A of the project plan, um, which is on page 19 of the agenda item or page 49 if you're viewing it um, with the entire agenda packet. The Project Area 1 is located on the west and east sides of Iowa Street. Um, and also in that Exhibit A, the area that's highlighted yellow is Project Area 2, and that's not included in your request tonight. The proposed project, which is also referred to as the crossing, would be a mixed-use development um, described in that project plan as creating a live, work, learn, create, play environment to attract and retain the, the next generation of innovative companies, researchers, and entrepreneurs. Uh, further, the project plan describes the proposed project as including a residential community that includes market rate and affordable housing, research-oriented office space, an early child care and education center, and a unique mix of restaurants, activities, and neighborhood amenity retailers arranged in a walkable, attractive environment. The project plan also notes that Plan Area 1 could include multi-dwelling residences, a grocery store, a hotel, retail office, research, research space, and other general commercial and residential uses. 
One thing I would like to note is that the project plan serves as a high-level, long-range planning document. The specific details on the site improvements and layouts are not required at this point for your consideration of the consistency of the, with the comprehensive plan. The project plan provides that long-range forecast for the types of uses that would be developed on the site rather than providing those site-specific details. Um, those would be determined later in the development process. Now, staff did find that the comprehensive plan contains many goals and policies that align with the project plan, um, all of which you'll find listed in that staff report. Plan 2040 speaks to infill development and minimizing the location of development opportunities or maximizing the location of development activities within Tier 1 of the urban growth area. As a reminder, Tier 1 is within the city limits of Lawrence, um, and properties within Tier 1 have exist access to existing infrastructure and services, and as such, Plan 2040 encourages maximizing the development in these areas before expanding into Tier 2. Uh, to help also help with this maximization and utilization of development in Tier 1, Plan 2040 also supports mixed-use development when contextually appropriate. In addition to aligning with the infill and mixed-use recommendations of the comprehensive plan, the project plan also uh, was also found to align with numerous other goals and action items of the comprehensive plan. Uh, as I mentioned, that full list is uh, found in the staff report. Uh, items uh, listed there show consistency for goals for um, economic su uh, sustainability. Um, goals incl included in Chapter 3, which is the growth and development chapter um, in terms of growth management and residential, commercial, and industrial development. The project plan was also found to align with goals in Chapter 4, which is the Lawrence Neighborhood and Housing chapter, as well as Chapter 5, uh, which relates to transportation, and Chapter 6 that pertains to economic development. Given that, staff, staff does recommend that the Planning Commission make a finding uh, related to the request to use tax increment financing that the Crossing TIF Area 1 plan project plan uh, is consistent with the Comprehensive Plan, Plan 2040, for the development of the city as required by state statute. Um, with that, I am happy to answer any questions. And also, um, Britt Crumb-Kano, uh, the city's Economic Development Director, is joining us via Zoom, uh, and she can provide more details if needed. Thank you. Thank you, Becky. We don't actually have um, an applicant to make a um, statement on this. Um, so we'll go right to public comment. Um, <clears throat> there's no one in the room to give comment. So I'll look online to see if there's anybody, um, if there's any member of the public who would like three minutes to speak on this particular item before us. Not seeing any, I will bring it back to the commission for discussion and just reiterate that our job tonight is to determine its, uh, uh, if whether this project plan is consistent with the comprehensive plan 2040 um, and not commenting on the various details of the actual plan itself. So in other words, let's say, for example, um, we want to understand the financing and stuff like that. We, we, that's not really something we, we want to discuss Right, like, like let's say, where the city is going to reimburse the development to some to some extent, if if we had a question about that, like what portion is being um, reimbursed and that kind of thing, is that a question we can ask here, or is that not part of what we're here to do? Britt is here and can help you understand that, but it's not in your purview as okay. far as your. Okay, then I don't. I don't want to ask it then. <laughs> I mean, if it's, oh, if I it's don't want to take it. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't, I don't, well, yeah. Um, 
I do have one general question that is related because this is um, this project um, part of the application for TIF is it that it be consistent with the comprehensive general plan, and there are lots of plans that we see here on paper. Um, but as Becky said, this is a long-range plan. Details can change. So if I could ask um, Britt, uh, if uh, if those ch if this project were to change substantially in the future, um, if this TIF was given, I mean, what is the applicant's responsibility to maintain consistency with Plan 2040 as this project goes forward? Well, I actually don't want to bother you guys too much with the details, but what they're asking for, they're fronting the infrastructure costs for this project to do um, uh, the area plan one and uh, also area plan two. And they would only get those dollars if those projects generated those TIF revenues that could be used to pay them back. So to a certain degree, they are, um, it's in their best interest to pursue this project as it's spelled out. Now, it doesn't have to be exact. I think the, um, the idea that, um, you know, they would like to bring a grocery store on or, or certain restaurants, all of that is, um, as Becky said, this is more of a long-range plan that can all change over time. But the gist of it is they don't get paid back for their investment that they've fronted unless they are putting um, the type of development in that area that will generate those revenues, those tax revenues to be paid back with. I'm not so sure if that our, quite passed. Well, so our assumption is that most of this would still be consistent with Plan 2040. It wouldn't veer off um, into something else that would still provide the funding, but be very different than what was promised in this document. Uh, I guess I don't quite understand this is my first planning commission yeah. meeting but um i'm not sure how it would change i mean it could bring in di different mixed use projects it could di bring in you know um um maybe they don't bring a hotel in all of that they're not going to know at this point anyway what they're bringing in but they're basically bringing in uh residential um and some commercial which will be office and um and probably retail, but that mix is not anything that's that's set in stone at this point. I believe all of those things will go through the planning process. Well, I'm not 100% sure about that. Maybe Jeff can help me with this because this is this is KU, and I'm not exactly sure what they are subject to. But um, I can't exactly imagine. I, I guess I'm asking you, how would it? Can you give me an idea of how you think it could potentially change? Well, just that, that, that there's a lot that's that's promised here that would be consistent with plan 2040 as we see it now but if the situations changed and they had no retail um they had no housing and it was just research facilities to give an extreme example then it really wouldn't might not be consistent with plan 2040. i think so i'd let Becky probably 
address that? I may be really off base with that. I'm sorry, but I just... They think kind of to the point on that one is Rich right. If you don't have that mixture in there, you're not going to be able to generate that increment financing necessary to do it. So there has to be a bit of that component to make this work in its own line. So I'm by no means an economic development expert, but when you do a TIF district, it's almost, it has to self-fulfill in one, in one way to then generate the increment to allow it to even survive and develop. So it is one of those things where it's like you almost set your development plan in course and then have the financials run with you to make it go in, in fashion. And I think that, that to the other question about how I think Brent alluded to it and how it works with KU is if you look at the, the base zoning district for the property, it's U-KU. And in the land development code, it sees that back to the cooperative agreement in 2005 between the city and the University of Kansas on how those matters will be done. And we don't extend zoning or any of our development applications into the KU property. So it is the KU has that ability to set that up and, and work at it at their speed and as they would see fit that is not tied to our development applications or our zoning process. Mm-hmm. I think I still am unclear. I, I heard the question, I could be wrong. But I heard the question, I heard the question as a broader question, which is just simply like, is there a mechanism in place it sounds like the answer is no, but is there a mechanism in place to hold them accountable, right? Once the once the TIF um, district is granted, basically they can do whatever they want there. I understand that that they would need to create space that is generating income, right, for the for the TIF income. Um, but I think that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be compliant with the plan, which is the question before us. Right. right. So they could go ahead and get it if we were to approve it. They could do all kinds of different things in there, still generate, it's possible to still generate TIF revenue and not be in compliance with, with the plan. Now, maybe the plan is um, written, I mean, such that most of these projects fall within it, that even if they were to be modified, they would still fall in it in some way. But I, that's what I heard the question as more. You know, I think it's with any time you look at a a neighborhood plan or a sector plan is what you see is is an iterative plan. It is one way that something could unfold given a certain number of conditions. And and your purview tonight is to look at it and say does does this conform with the mission and the visions that we've outlined in Plan Twenty Forty? Is this is this meeting those higher aspirations that we've programmed into the document itself? Not necessarily. Is this a medium density land use or a mixed use land kind of thing? It's going to be in that that broader range because there is some give and take in the way that these can develop and unfold over a bit of time there. So the answer is no, there's no mechanism in place to reevaluate the compliance with plan 2040. I can't I mean I think speak, that's the question, right? I can't speak for the 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 mechanisms and the TIF that are required as part of that. I don't have the knowledge to to speak that maybe Britt can provide some of that guidance to it, but I don't I don't have knowledge about if there is provisions in the TIF that has a clawback or other details that may come into that instance. We will have to have additional agreements and additional process around this. It will go to the city commission for them to uh, consider it and vote on it. If it does get approved, then uh, we do a development agreement. And so the city has a development agreement with the um, with the developer uh, that basically spells out what they have to do and what they get uh, as a result of that. So uh, it truly is in their best interest to go ahead and and produce things on that site that will generate some kind of a revenue stream back for them. Um, I don't, I I legally don't, I, I just can't speak legally if there's a process, um, if they, choose to do something 
dramatically different. And, and I'm still struggling to kind of figure out what that would be. Um, but uh, there are there are certain provisions that would require you know them to um, if, if I do know that if they decide they're going to either add land into the district or take land out, then it has to go through another process. I don't know if it has to go through a planning review process. Thank you, Commissioner Clark. To check alignment. Yeah, I think that leads straight into my question, which is you're talking about accountability, enforcement mechanisms. Um, when we have a net area plan, uh, admittedly, reality may not conform to the plan, but this, you know, this body has enforcement power to hold further you know, requests for specific, you know, uh, um, uh, site plans accountable. So I guess my question is, um, once this is granted, does the city or does the, uh, the, 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 the planning office have any kind of authority over the actual plans that take shape on that, on that property? Under the cooperative agreement, we would not. Okay. And it, the actual project plan is what they're going to be held accountable to if that, and that's what you're considering tonight to be in alignment with the, with the comprehensive uh, plan 2040. Uh, if for whatever reason that plan would change substantially, then um, I would imagine we'd have to go back and do things, we'd have to revisit some things legally because that plan is part of this whole legal process that is being considered and approved. Um, so again, if, uh, I'm, I, I can't quite imagine how, what, it, what could deviate from that plan that might create some issues in terms of comp, uh, the comp plan, but um, they are held accountable to that plan and, and a, a development agreement. Um, so thank you. If you could just elaborate a little bit more when you talk about they're held accountable. Um, say they decided to put an amusement park or a manufacturing facility or something that did not conform to the plan what would be in what way would they be held accountable for the substantial change and lose their tip but that's that's my i think i think who is who is judge who judges then the way in which they have failed to fulfill their promise to conform to the plan what's the mechanism for that if i think that is up to the city to decide whether they're still meeting the requirements to justify the tax increment financing is that correct yeah they they would lose their their um rebates or not rebates but reimbursements i i have a very underneath all these other questions the thing that makes me just feel what are we why are we doing this this way? Plan 2040 doesn't apply to university ground, correct? Correct. Well, it can't, it, not to say you wouldn't say it applies, but I mean, that is a part of the community. So it does affect the way that it goes out there. But the reason you have to see this is because state statute requires you to mm -hmm. see it and find conformance. In Only because of the request for a TIF. Correct. Mm -hmm. Not for anything else. Correct. It's just because they want 
money back from the city and county or a portion of the of the tax back to fund their project that this is here. There are other TIFs in town, but they've all had to go through much more stringent reviews. They've had to do their rezoning. They had to do their site plans. They had to have their public comment periods. None of this applies to what's going on here. You should also note that the TIF process and the land entitlement process are not they're not together. You can go through them independently like we're, you're seeing right now. So they're not one does not constitute or trigger the other in that instance. I'm, I'm not trying to imply they do. I'm just saying every other one that I'm aware of, Bauer Farms, the Oread, and a couple of others are their private property in the city subject to all the subdivision regulations and every other regulation we have for zoning and building government land is not subject to those provisions so it's it's just kind of jarring you're asking us to say it complies with a plan that doesn't really apply to them and that's that's the basis of it's just this disconnect i'm having in my my head we're only doing this for a tax benefit where it's an artificial creation that we're saying yes this meets things that we like that are consistent with parts of plan 2040 which applies to all private land but not this land I mean, it's just weird. But, I mean, just in, I, just thinking that through, I mean, it's because they're asking for money back. I mean, I mean, it, make, it makes sense to me, right? They're asking for the city um, to give them money back. And the, therefore, basically, we're saying, well, we're more willing to do that or we're willing to do that if you're in compliance with Plan 2040. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it does make some, they want something. And we're saying, well, in return for that thing, we want you to comply with and, the plan. And- We've had problems just look at 6th Street by Free State High School. What was proposed when they got their TIF and what's there now? It is, there is no comparison to what was first proposed. Uh, You know, this grand idea of new urbanism, of mixed-use development, I'm seeing the same shiny object here. I don't know what's going to be here. How do I know it's going to conform? This is is Commissioner Ashcroft's question. I was just going underneath, behind, Mm -hmm. even below those questions. But those all rise up to these questions that have been presented by Commissioner Ashcroft and Commissioner Carter. They're the same. They're the same issue. We have no there's no planning control. There's just whether their tax break gets pulled or not. And if I may, there's only whether any deviations cross some sort of threshold of intolerability that somebody decides, wait, this is now, you know, you can deviate a little bit and we can still consider it to conform, deviate a little bit more. And well, it's not that much different from what the way it deviated earlier. And eventually it becomes a, it evolves potentially to a completely different animal. But where is the threshold where someone says, yeah, that now is enough. That is, that is now substantially different from what was um, committed. Again, they're going to have to, they're going to have to conform to the area plan and the development agreement. And I don't think either one of those really deviates into a strange uh, use of source. I think it's it's pretty straightforward. Um, so I, 
legally, if they want the TIF to survive, they have to they have to be in compliance with the plan and the development agreement. I guess, oh, sorry, I was going to say, so what I'm hearing from Brett is that there is some accountability. We don't know where that line is, but this the city would be the, and there would be a mechanism there to alter the TIF. Yeah, and if I may, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I quite understand when you said they would have to comply. I'm not sure. Again, that, well, that assumes a level of enforcement. That assumes that there's someone determining that they are not complying. It's not, there's not an automatic mechanism that's tripped. It's still subject to um, the judgment of some figure somewhere saying this no longer conforms. Am I, am I, in, am I wrong? And I'm not sure if maybe it would probably be uh, our legal staff who would um, would probably make that judgment if it doesn't conform. And then they risk not having because they're paying a substantial amount of money for the infrastructure to put the infrastructure in and they need that return back. So the tip is totally off the table if it doesn't conform to the plan or the development agreement. Uh, it would it could be possibly amended. I, I, again, I'm not a lawyer. Uh, I we haven't done a TIF in probably over 12 years mm -hmm. or so. So they don't come around very often. But um, again, I think the one thing to focus on in on in terms of your purview tonight is to find if the TIF plan, as it is presented to you tonight, is in alignment with Plan 2040. And I don't think you are to, you're not directed to go and, and beyond that. Um, so I think the question here is, is it in alignment with Plan 2040? I think in terms of if it, would change if the whole development would change somehow and not be in alignment. I think that's a legal issue that our legal staff would have to decide how that would be tackled and what actions would come. I guess and I'm again, actually, I, I'm not a lawyer. So <laughs> I'm just, this is what I'm just thinking in, in, um, in terms of how it would have to happen. We've never had a tip, um, that didn't do that. I do know that on the back end, there's a substantial amount of compliance and it's very, very detailed because I did <laughs> on the last one. They have to submit all their receipts. The, the TIF statute is extremely um, particular about what is an eligible cost. So all of that has to be certified and that all feeds into, again, the development agreement and whether they're going to get money or not. So, you know, there's several mechanisms in terms of clawbacks when it comes to, you know, um, when it comes to economic development incentives, and that's pretty much how it works. In terms of how legally, if you need to go in and amend something or change something, I can't really speak to how that process would work. I know it has happened in the past. Um, but... Um, but I'm not sure about the exact legal process. And may I just make one? Yes, and oh, I'm sure. Forgive. No, 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 no. Please go first. I was just going to say I'm. You know, I'm. I'm not as a planning commissioner. I'm not concerned about the accounting. 
I'm not concerned about um, the, the legal aspects per se, but I am looking here as someone who's being asked to exercise judgment about land use and about an agreement that the city is entering into with a non-city developer, which happens to be the University of Kansas. Um, and to me, I, I, unfortunately, I'm kind of reminded of a, uh, a judgment we were asked to make a few months ago about, um, about the uh, Transportation Improvement Program, TIP as opposed to TIF, um, where we were being asked to you know, exercise our judgment about whether it conformed to Plan 2040. And I voted against that, not because I, you know we were being advised to 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 uh, agree that it was, and I think that passed. But I just find that I find this this transactional relationship kind of uncomfortable because I don't see where that trigger is for enforcement. Yes, I mean I think it looks great. I think the plan, the the vision, not even a plan. I think the vision looks fantastic. It seems to serve the city. I think anything that's good for bringing in you know this R and D oriented um, um, personnel is 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 great for the community. But I but and I the state statute perhaps I'm not sure what it is that's that's forcing us to make this judgment. I just don't see how this evolves realistically, where the enforcement is that this will end up conforming, not just that it does now at this snapshot in time, but where is the guarantee that it will conform when we have, Commissioner Carpenter has given examples where um, Progressive changes over time lead to something that that does not look like what was promised. So, can I ask a question um, of Jeff and the staff? If they weren't asking for public incentives, what what do they have the right to do when it comes to putting whatever on there? Because uh, I think that's a whole different mechanism and a whole different agreement between the city and KU that um, may be at the heart of this issue, not necessarily whether, you know, the economic development side of it comes into play, but Jeff, can you tell me what would they be allowed to do and or not do? KU would be allowed to do or not do, or just a Yeah, on that same role. property. Yeah. Well, under the cooperative agreement, they could do it whatever they'd like to do with it. Quite truthfully, it's there's some bounds and reasons to it that they have. They they obligate themselves to do work with for stormwater, wastewater, water provisions, streets, and those kind of things there. But uh, there is nothing in the land development code that we could carry or apply to them for development process or zoning district. So it's it, they they do have a little bit of operational freedom inside of that boundary than the way it's structured. They're sharing the amusement park. <laughs> I don't hear anybody up here like taking issue with that. I hear us talking about they want something in exchange. They want our tax dollars. And so we're we now that brings in the purview of what are they planning on doing with the land and is it in compliance with our plan? And I think what I what I hear, you said it perfectly, a vision is what I see. And it's a fabulous vision, but I see a vision, not a plan that's like that I'm hearing anyone is going to need to be accountable for, or even within the realms of like, what is off this 
plan or not off this plan. It's, it's really just a vision of these are the things that we would like to do. We're hoping that this works out go ahead and grant us uh, and allow us to take the tax dollars. And I and I just kind of feel like, well, if you want the tax dollars, I want to know what we're getting for it. It's really about the request for the tax money and not what they can or can't do with their property, mm-hmm. Is unless I'm oh, I, I think you're right. This, this area yeah, is not and, and that's. I was just going to say, that's really, I think, the city commissioner's position is to, and that's what they will be considering. They're going to be considering the but for analysis and the whole slew of other um, uh, analysis and whether or not they think the payoff is worth it for the city. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to suggest that we were going to overstep our role by making that decision. I think um, Commissioner Carter just simply said we have to make a judgment call here on whether or not we think what has been presented is within the purview of the plan. And we're asking for what is the accountability that that is actually what will be executed. I mean, anyone could come before us and present anything and it could be beautiful. We still ask these questions of everyone. Like what's going to happen in, you know, this is a plan. We'd have this conversation all the time. This is a plan, but how are we going to be able to have, have accountability that once we use that judgment, like we executed it properly. Um, and so I, at the moment I'm either confused on, on what it is that's really allowed or before us or what's going to happen with this. Um, or I'm just kind of inclined to be a little skeptic of, of this vision that's been presented with no ability to, to make sure that the plan is what we, I I have to say, I'm always skeptical of, of the visions, (laughs) but I have to to think about the possible ramifications of, of the land use decision. And we have no control over the land use decision. But this conversation that we're having right now um, will hopefully be viewed, of course, by the city commission. I think it's very valuable that we've had this conversation, regardless of what we, you know, what we do here, even if we're all, all say, yep, Okay, we're just given what we have before us. Um, if that's what we're going to vote on, and this is currently consistent with Plan 2040, even if we all say that, the city commission now knows about like we're we're really looking for some accountability. What what are they? How are they going to hold the, the governing body? How are they going um, I mean, to hold? Okay, you to to the requirements of the TIF and the plan. Yeah, to me, but we're being asked to do a what if what if this was actually part of the city what if this was actually part of the county subject to our our development codes would it meet the requirements of plan 2040 and they've checked all the boxes with their design here but the difference is this design has not gone it's it's there are no area plans there are no plans that govern what was going to happen with this intersection because it's government land there's there there's nothing of the of that suggests a normal planning and review process this is a this was developed by ku endowment not not even ku ku endowment did this and um so and that i've never even really understood 
that, why sometimes it's KU land and it's outside our purview and other times it's owned by KU endowment and it's still considered government land. I don't get it. But, but I would really not not like to go into that. <laughs> I, I know. Okay. <laughs> well, we're not going into that tonight, but I'm just saying, you know, there's all these other issues. It, it's just never gone through the usual review and planning process to even reach this stage for us to say it conforms or not conforms. So it is a pure theoretical thing. If it was under our purview, does it comply with Plan 2040? That's it. I think that's what we're being asked. Is that? That'd be correct. Your, your purview tonight is, does the plan that you have before you conform to the vision and mission of plan, or excuse me, the vision and, and overview of Plan 2040? Yeah, I have two questions for Slack. Um, one is, since we um, talk about what if, what if the majority of the commission voted no? That's one question. The other is, does the city under this agreement have any kind of, you would talk about things like a you know special use permit or conditional use permit, um, where the, um, you know, the, 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 um, the uh, local government has the ability to impose conditions. Um, does the city in this relationship have the um, authority to impose, for example, periodic reviews? Or is it just a trigger that once this is agreed to, um, the uh, the university you know gets that uh, that that a percentage of, of uh, incremental tax revenue uh, from the city, from the county, from the school board, until somebody objects to what's happening on the ground? Those are my two questions. First, what if we vote no? <laughs> Second, what authority does do the local governing bodies have uh, in, in to, to impose a periodic review? Vicki, I think you had contacted our legal consultant about that question. Do you, would you yeah, like I'm happy to answer answer that? Yeah, I'm happy to answer that first part, Britt. I may uh, refer defer to you on the second question, uh, the authority question. But um, so this is a, a prerequisite um, and for, to the proceedings uh, for the TIF approval. Um, and so without uh, this finding from Planning Commission, the city can't um, proceed with the the TIF plan. Okay. Thank you. So so we're being asked to vote yay or nay to this big project and we don't even have anybody here representing the project. Boy, you can talk about rolling the dice. <laughs> Jeff so, and Nick, so let me can ask can you I, this. Ask the second question oh, yeah, yeah. if can this be can this possibly be de deferred so that we could have the applicant and also our legal counsel here who could definitely answer the questions that you guys are asking uh, i'm really just in no position to uh, talk about the legalities other than i know um, that the plan is a legal document and the development agreement is a legal document. And um, what recourse is there to do if somehow they would deviate completely off of that? Uh, again, I just, I can't answer those questions for you. So are there any options along those lines? Yeah, certainly if the, the planning commission would like to defer this for to, to be able to bring the applicant and, and counsel in to be able to answer those questions, that's a motion that they they could make um, with consideration of the project timeline too. I, I would 
if you have input on, on how that might affect that? It would probably affect when they could actually start development. Uh, right now, we have in in uh, January 17th, we will be going to the city commission to uh, ask them to consider a resolution calling a public hearing in February, uh, uh, actually on the 21st of February. And that's the meeting that the city commission will decide um, if they are going to authorize the TIF for this project. I believe they also the CID, uh, the development agreement, the TIP plan, all of those go to the city commissioners on the 21st of February if we stay with the, the uh, general schedule. Um, so it would probably affect their development timeline. I, I know they're busy working on uh, sewer and I think part of it is just city sewer uh, that actually it, they've made it part of the TIF district, but it is uh, necessary for the project to go forward. And then it also increases the capacity to the neighborhoods, the surrounding neighborhoods. So where how that would be affected, I don't know. Um, we'd probably have to bring in our engineers to talk about where that is in the process. And uh, so again, I'm sorry, I don't uh, have all these answers and I would have brought everybody along if I'd known, you know, we were gonna kind of go down this path and ask these types of questions, but. Um, so if we were to defer, we it would most likely come back on February 22nd, the day after the city commission. <laughs> Theoretically, we'd be able to get it back on your January agenda, but just as the commission is probably aware, is you have two extremely full nights in January at this point in time. Mm -hmm. so. Is the city commission agenda set in stone by some statute when it has to happen? It'll be set in stone on the 17th. In, on January 17th, they will have to pass a resolution that calls the public hearing and sets the date and time for that. In which so they they actually have control over the date and time. Yes, until they uh, once they approve that resolution, then it's that public hearing right. is set. But I'm saying if it's something that we couldn't hear until February 22nd, and the city commission knew that they could set this, they could set that date and time the next Tuesday night. I I'm just throwing out possibilities here, not not. Because I know January is going to be awful. But, you know. Right. And I would like to kind of get a sense of where this is going. You know, Commissioner Thomas um, raised a question, but I would it's, uh, I would just want to reiterate that I, well, where I'm thinking this is what's before us, the question before us, City Commission is going to be taking this up, hopefully knowing about this conversation. Um, and that's where... The judgment will lie, um, but Commissioner Thomas. In in real life, um, my wife will sometimes say I don't look too far below the surface for what's going on, that I react to whatever is presented to me. It seems that the responsibility that we have is to simply vote on whether it does meet the 2040 plan. Now, I, I could go into what I think about all the other things that have been said, but as a 
citizen, then because I'm I'm going to vote yes, it it does meet the 2040 plan. But as a citizen, then I could go before the city council. I could do other things to express concerns about it. But I think the time I run into the most trouble is when I try and be responsible for things I am not really responsible for. And I don't see our responsibility as figuring out, well, what if they do this? What if they don't do this? I see my responsibility as saying, does it meet the 2040 plan? And so I will vote yes because of that. And then as citizens, we could go before, anybody could go before the city council and st state their concerns, argue their concerns. I, I have, I want to vote <laughs> on whether it meets the 2040 or not, period. And I'm not inclined to defer um, this decision at this point. I, I would agree with that. Yep. I'm yeah, not inclined to defer, yeah. and I don't want to stand yeah. in the way of a good project. I just find it odd that these rather significant questions, that there's nobody here to answer those questions, um, that that this is such a critical step that without this body's support, this project can't go forward, and yet there's nobody to answer our questions, I find frustrating. Um and um, I think when I'm looking at the language of the statute, and it says, upon a finding by the planning commission that the project plan is consistent with the intent of the comprehensive plan for the development of the city, the governing body of the city shall adopt a resolution, et cetera, et cetera. I don't find the project plan. I see the vision of consistent with the intent of the comprehensive plan. I don't find the project plan sufficiently consistent with plan 2040 with, with necessary um, review power by the city. I think that can be in, included in the project plan. And I would, at, at present, I'm inclined to vote against, although I don't, I don't want this to go down, but I want the city to take astute notice that, that, that the city, if this, if we're, if we are, you know, the, the opportunity cost of this with our tax revenue going into something that doesn't actually serve the city. I think that is, you know, I think that is in our purview. We have that, we have that responsibility as planning commissioners. Um, and so at present, you know, I just, I just, in the advisory role to the city commission, I want that to be part of the project plan. So I'm inclined to vote against at present. I would say that's yeah. where I stand as well. Oh, Commissioner Munch. Ah, good. Thank you. Commissioner Munch. Yeah, I was just going to chime in. I'm, I'm inclined to vote yes for this uh, for this particular finding. Just take the, the narrow question before us. I don't think I've heard anything tonight that suggests that this the plan is inconsistent with Plan 40. Uh, it sounds like our question. I'm not, and I appreciate that and this is good discussion to have but i'm not sure uh if these are items that could have been addressed by the applicant you know even if the applicant had been present tonight these are more questions about you know 15 or 20 years of town gown relations 
and what brought us to this point and what are all the agreements and policies and procedures that now bear upon us. Um, all good questions, great questions for the city commission, but uh, in my mind before us and not, not something that I wish to, to make a judgment on. So I, I'm inclined to vote yes for making this finding. Thank you, Commissioner Munch. Um, I think actually a, a, a mix of yes votes and no votes will send a good signal um, that the city commission should pay attention to these questions. Um, I, for one, will um, be voting yes. I, I did hear um, a little bit of accountability when Britt was talking about there are some legal documents out there. I don't understand what that is. I am a little leery about um, what the accountability is, but I'm going to leave that to the city commission to figure that out and go with what's before me tonight. I'm probably voting yes as well. Okay. There's no further discussion. Can somebody make a motion? It's going to be four, three. Kelsey, do you want to do it? I can't. I'm voting against. Oh, you're voting against. <laughs> I've done it. It would be a, you, you, you can make that motion, but it's, it's sort of, we are, um, the language would be, um, that we make a finding or or not, depending on the motion, that this project is consistent with a comprehensive general plan. Yeah. So would anybody like to- And, and our decision is not reviewable or appealable, correct? Correct. It would be that this is advances- This is, it. This this is the final decision. Correct. No appeal. Can I just ask one last question? Just the, the TIF, uh, does that, is that only the TIF district that people have to pay the additional property tax or is that for all properties in our county? How does that, how does that work? Britt will correct me if I'm wrong here, but it's my understanding it's only in the district as it is drawn and approved. So it's only within the boundary of the district. So it wouldn't be a, a spread countywide. It would only be if you're in that particular in that, in district that area. And the yeah. sales tax though affects everybody. It would only affect in that particular so both, both only affect in that area. Yes. Okay. That's correct. This is this is a pay-as-you-go, and it um, it means basically that the developer is going to get back only the revenues that are that that the projects within that district generate. Okay. So Thank it you. has no effect on any other areas outside of that okay. district. That's thanks. Good to know. I'm going to vote no. Because we don't, this is outside our plans. I mean, I don't like voting on a hypothetical if it was actually in the city or under the normal planning process. I find it a bit disagreeable and jarring. So I think that's, we're going to end up with a fourth four or three in favor, but that's probably good. <laughs> I have concerns, but I'm not willing to let it go down at this point. Yeah. So. Somebody would, would somebody care to make a motion? I, I can make just, I'm going to read the action requested. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, make a finding related to a request to use tax increment financing that the crossing TIF area project plan is consistent with the comprehensive general plan, plan 2040, for the development of the city as required by KSA 12 1772. A second, second. please. Oh, Mr. Munch. Commissioner Munch um, seconded. Any further discussion? Seeing none, could you call the vote, Jeff? Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? No. 
Commissioner Carter? No. Commissioner Duvor? Yes. Commissioner Hayden? No. Commissioner Munch? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Motion passes four to three. Thank you. That's a very healthy discussion. Hopefully the city commission will pay attention um, to that one. So does, uh, uh, why don't I, before we go on to this next one, I mean, maybe a break. Does, do people need a break? I'm always willing to take a break. Okay. <laughs> um, then let's let's uh, take a, a restroom break real quick. Um, five minutes and then come back and, and tackle the rest. Ellie? All right, welcome back. We are on item number three at this point. Um, so to consider approving a variance from the right of way with standards for an alley. Um, for 13, thir is that, am I reading that address right? No, 13 New York, uh, there it is, 1245 New York Street. And Ellie Mullins is our staff planner on this project. Uh, good evening, Commissioners. Ellie Mullins, Planning and Development Services. Uh, the item before you this evening is a request for a variance from the right-of-way width standards for alleys um, as required by the subdivision design standards. Uh, this variance request is related to the minor subdivision 13NY, which proposes to consolidate one full lot and one partial lot into one platted lot at 1245 New York Street. Minor subdivisions are reviewed administratively. However, Planning Commission approval is required for variances from the design standards. The subdivision design standards require alleys to have a 20-foot minimum right-of-way width or to dedicate half of the necessary right-of-way through the subdivision process. The existing adjacent alley has a 16-foot right-of-way width, which does not meet standards. The applicant has requested a variance to retain the existing alley right-of-way width abutting the subject property. Staff has reviewed the variance request against the decision-making criteria provided in section 20-813G of the subdivision regulations. This analysis and the decision-making criteria can be found in the memo included within this evening's agenda packet. Staff concluded that the proposed variance meets all three of the criteria needed for approval. The city engineer has also reviewed the variance request and is supportive of maintaining the current right-of-way width. Based on the findings presented in the variance memo, staff recommends approving the variance request to allow for a reduced right-of-way width of 16 feet for the alley adjacent to 1245 New York Street related to minor subdivision 13NY. Thanks. Thank you. Um, I believe the applicant is present online, David Hamby with BG Consultants. Hello, Commissioners. David Handy with the consultants. Appreciate Ellie's work on this and uh, be happy to answer any questions you might have. Thank you. Um, now we turn to public comment on this project. There is no one in uh, the room tonight. Is there anybody online that wishes to speak to this project? Seeing no hands, I will bring it back to the Commission for discussion. Anybody wish to start, have a question or a comment on this? I'll just say I have no variance. This is in the original town site. Again, this is where updates to the code never took into account pre-existing conditions of the older neighborhoods. 
and we're certainly not going to expand alleys anytime ever. So, so yes, no. <laughs> um, can we go for a motion? I will make a motion. All right. Thank you, Commissioner Hayden. I move to approve the variance requested for a minor subdivision, MS-22-00376, to allow for a reduced right-of-way width of 16 feet for the alley adjacent to 1245 New York Street, as shown on the proposed um, 13NY plat drawing. Thank you. Can I have a second? Commissioner DeVore, thank you. Any further discussion? Nope. Let's call, you could call the vote, Jeff, please. Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner DeVore? Yes. Commissioner Hayden? Yes. Commissioner Munch? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Motion passes 7-0. Thank you. Item number four, consider approving a variance uh, from the Land Development Code for Subdivision Design Standards at North Comfort Court. Um, Avery Kerner is our planner on this project. Yes, thank you. And good evening, commissioners. My name is Avery Kerner, and I am a planner with the City County Planning Office. The item before you this evening is a variance request to reduce the required width for an existing cul-de-sac bulb at nine or at North Comfort Court. The subdivision design standards require cul-de-sacs to have a 60-foot right-of-way radius with a paved bulb radius of 50 feet. The existing right-of-way and paved bulb radius for North Comfort Court are both 10 feet less than what is required by the current subdivision design standards. Typically, variance requests from the subdivision design standards are submitted with a subdivision application and plat drawing for review. For this project, the applicant has submitted the variance request on its own for consideration and action prior to paying the costs of having a plat drawn. While there isn't a proposed plat for the property at this time, the applicant has provided an, an exhibit showing the existing conditions of the cul-de-sac and adjacent properties, as well as the general configuration of lots to be proposed should the variance request be approved or denied. This exhibit was included as an attachment in this evening's agenda packet. The applicant plans to propose seven new lots along the east side of North Comfort Court, which will require a major subdivision application in compliance with the subdivision design standards. Major subdivisions are a two-part process consisting of a preliminary plat and a final plat. Preliminary plats require planning commission approval, while final plats are reviewed administratively. Once a formal subdivision application has been submitted for review, the preliminary plat will be reviewed by staff and placed on a future agenda for the planning commission's consideration. Tonight, the only action needed from the Planning Commission is to determine whether to approve or deny the variance request to reduce the required width of the cul-de-sac bulb for North Comfort Court. Approval of the variance request would maintain the existing conditions of the cul-de-sac bulb, while a denial would require the property owner to bring the cul-de-sac into compliance with the subdivision design standards. Staff has reviewed the variance request against the decision-making criteria provided in section 20-13G of the subdivision regulations. This analysis and the decision-making criteria can be found in the memo included within this evening's agenda packet. Staff concluded that the requested variance meets the criteria for approval. In addition to planning staff's review, the city engineer and fire prevention staff have reviewed the request. In their review, fire prevention staff indicated that the International Fire Code recommends 
a 96-foot-wide paved bulb for new developments. North Comfort Court is an established cul-de-sac with existing development along the west side of the cul-de-sac, and the applicant has provided a turn analysis, which demonstrates that a fire apparatus can access North Comfort Court and turn around via the existing cul-de-sac bulb. The city engineer's review was in support of the variance request. Staff amends approving the variance request to reduce the required cul-de-sac right-of-way radius for North Comfort Court from 60 feet to 50 feet. And with that, I would be happy to answer any questions you may have. Thank you. The um, applicant representative, uh, the applicant um, representative is Paul Warner of Paul Warner Architects, and he is online. Uh, thank you, Paul Warner. Paul Warner Architects, as you said, um, appreciate all of Avery's work on this and excellent presentation. We really don't have too much um, other than I probably would like to emphasize. I hope you looked at the exhibits. Um, I mean, this entire street was designed for the time when Habitat had the money to buy the property on the east side and when that owner was ready to sell to just mirror, mirror the, the exact configuration. Um, so that's where we're at today. Um, we'd be much farther down the road if, um, if we didn't have to go through this process, which we can Hopefully, as Commissioner Carpenter already mentioned, hopefully some of these things are being fixed. But um, we think this is certainly the right answer. It is by no means an easy fix to make that cul-de-sac um, bigger. So uh, we look for your support. Um, we think this is the right answer. And we're hoping to get Habitat seven more lots as soon as we can. So um, I'll stand for any questions or just sit back and relax. Thank you. Thank you. Um, now we turn to public comment as there yet again is nobody in the room tonight. Is there anybody online who would like to comment on this project? Seeing no hands um, or any motion to make a comment, I'll bring it back to the commission for discussion. Okay, I'll give the justification again. <laughs> Um, I, I'm glad Habitat for Humanity is involved, but that's not a criteria here. And considering the variance, um, the fact is it was built according to code when it was. Our code doesn't take that into account, which I hope we will fix. Uh, the fact that expanding this cul-de-sac would take property from adjacent properties in addition to this current this one individual. I'll give me um, no reason to oppose it. In fact, I think we should be granting this variance. <laughs> anybody have an alternative view or any other comment somebody like to give me a motion i think it's your turn okay, oh, <laughs> okay i can um approve the variance request to reduce the required cul-de-sac right-of-way radius for north comfort court from 60 feet to 50 feet can i have a second mr carter any further discussion Glad we were able to do this. Jeff, if you could call the vote. Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Duvor? Yes. Commissioner Hayden? Yes. Commissioner Munch? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Motion passes 7-0. Thank you. 
All right, moving on right along to uh, five and six. We Items five and six, we will hear together, um, but there will be separate votes. One will be a rezoning vote, a request to rezone, and the second vote will be a preliminary development plan. So we will hear about both from Sandy Day. Good evening, Commissioners. Sandy Day, Planning. And as you mentioned, this is a combined presentation. I'm going to begin by sharing my screen. It'll take just a moment for me to pull everything together here. <clears throat> if somebody could nod so I know that you can see the screen. Okay, great. Thank you. So this project is referred to as the Estates of Lawrence. It is actually a package project with a conditional use, I'm sorry, a, a comprehensive plan amendment, which we considered, um, I think, about a month or two ago, an annexation, which is less than 10 acres. So it is being processed directly to the city commission and is pending final action. The zoning and the preliminary development plans are being considered tonight. Depending on your actions this evening, those two items would then get forwarded to the city commission and they would be the final body to make the determinations on those two items. To begin with the zoning, the subject property is outlined in teal on the slide. It is one of three parcels that is otherwise surrounded by the city of Lawrence. There are two parcels that are not included in the annexation and the development request, but uh, this particular property is included and it abuts um, the Fairfield Farms residential subdivision to the east. It is adjacent to O'Connell Road on the west and the rest of that Prairie Park neighborhood. South is a planned residential development that has been developed with uh, duplex units and then further to the south is a subdivision plat that we are working on the commission saw the preliminary plat for going south subdivision a number of months ago and a final plat for that has actually been submitted and that'll be a combined uh, type of residential development that has duplex and detached dwellings in it So this slide just shows you the context of the property in relationship to the rest of the, of the surrounding neighborhood. Have a number of different reference points for you. This is taken from the staff report. So we have down the um, lower left-hand corner of the slide, that was where Peasley Tech is located. Then moving diagonally, there is the Prairie Park property, the school, and then as we move continuing to the east, you have the, the jail, the shelter building, and then the Douglas County Public Works uh, facilities there on the far edge adjacent to Franklin Road far to the east. The preliminary development plan um, based on the proposed zoning uh, with a PD overlay, it requires that an applicant submit a preliminary development plan concurrently anytime there, there is a request for a plan development zoning. The townhouse project includes nine buildings that are multi-dwelling and one duplex building for a total of 38 units. The overall project density is about just under seven dwelling units per acre. And we provide in the staff report kind of a, a density breakdown, a number of different ways and how density can be looked at for the project. 
But the point of the of this is that the overall development is very consistent and similar to um, what we find it, in different parts of the neighborhood. This is an infill residential development. It is designed and intended for senior housing. The applicant I know is here and they can more on that particular aspect of the project. Units also include garages and driveway parking. So off street parking is accommodated for the project as well as open space. Common open space is a requirement of a planned development in this particular project includes um, two areas of common open space, interconnected pathways throughout the development, as well as um, open space that is located on the south side of the project. Now, part of that is um, the detention area. This follows kind of a natural stream tributary in that area that has been worked into the project. And the other thing within this project um, has to do with the building setbacks. And I'll, I'll come back to that in just a second. So part of a preliminary development plan is also a preliminary plat component. So what you can see in this project are the three lots that are created, one on each side of proposed Ford Street, and then another lot that is on the south side of proposed East 26th Terrace. This project is is a planned development, but is actually including public streets that would connect into the existing street work, O'Connell Road on the west, and then East 26th Terrace into that developing subdivision there to the east. Ford Street currently is proposed to terminate in a cul-de-sac. Right-of-way extends all the way to the north property line so that it can be extended to that undeveloped property to, well, should not call it undeveloped property, there is a residence there, to that property to the north. Um, the other piece of right-of-way, East 26 Terrace, that kind of uh, the west leg of it, the right-of-way in that area is a bit wider, and so it abuts the length of the other parcel that is uh, located uh, here along this part of this northern property line, so that again, a street could be extended to the north. So that is the configuration of the subdivision component of the project. The other piece of a planned development does allow for an applicant to request uh, reduced building setbacks. In the old code, Reductions or waivers in those kinds of components would have been the purview of the Planning Commission. In the Land Development Code, your this evening are as an advisory board. So part of um, your approval of the project is this concept of a reduced building setback that would be applicable to this project, and that is four structures along the front. So the side and rear building setbacks are met. It is the front setback, which is required at 25 feet for that base zoning district. Uh, the project generally shows about a 20-foot setback. So that's what the blue line is an exhibit of in this particular project. So this is just another exhibit showing how that right-of-way is being dedicated. So you can see the wider width there on the on the west side of it, and also where that right-of-way connects into the existing street on the east side and to the, the other property to the north. So there is the opportunity to expand that street network and have connectivity, as well as what you see in this project is a lot of interior pedestrian connections. The 
the parklets, if you will, those are concepts. It, it doesn't necessarily guarantee that a specific piece of play equipment would be provided. Um, that equipment will be provided, and we will look at that more in more detail through the final development plan that would come forward if this is approved. These parklet or these common open spaces are part of the project. They would be maintained by the property owner. Um, they are not part of the public park network. In relationship to the surrounding area, we've tried to provide a graphic. It didn't translate exactly correctly because my street doesn't uh, connect here at 26 Terrace. Uh, it did when it was smaller. Um, and just, again, trying to show that there's connectivity options here for these other properties within this island of land that is still in the county. And then upon the final annexation activities taken by the city commission, this piece of property, kind of this backwards L shape would be annexed um, as this project moves forward. This is just, again, another exhibit of that reduced setback. And the applicant, again, can speak to you a little bit more about how this came about. One of the comments that staff provided the applicant was to make sure that there was kind of a reasonable amount of, of accessible rear yard area um, for these units. Um, what we wanted to make sure is that uh, in a different sheet in the plan set, you would see the topography where it starts to drop off and these are little patio spaces. So we wanted to have enough area around these buildings so that uh, you could access that little bit of green space there um, without, you know, just quickly rolling down a hill. Um, but in order to do that, you have to squeeze the project a little bit. And one of the things the applicant has done, you could you could squeeze it and reduce the setback, or you could uh, perhaps have a reduced street design, but that would probably push the project into having a private street. So in this particular case, the applicant is seeking the public street design, squeezing the lots a little bit to provide for uh, that accessible area and then also to balance out the grade requirements of the project. Staff's recommendation for the zoning is for approval with the plan development and then also approval of the preliminary development plan. Happy to answer any questions and I believe the applicant is online as well. Thank you. Yes, thank you. The applicant representative is Aaron Gaspers of CFS Engineers. Yes, thank you for your time. Aaron Gasper, CFS Engineers. Uh, thank you, Sandy. She's uh, uh, helped me out quite a bit on this project. Uh, but to uh, cover, she covered most items, but uh, just wanted to say that uh, this project maintains the residential per the area plan, increasing and providing a good density transition with the surrounding area. Uh, the project meets the goals of Chapter 3, Tier 1, Residential Growth Management and Plan 2040 by providing affordable uh, senior housing opportunities to age in place, a variety of housing types, an increase in density, infill, and by providing both common and recreational open spaces. The project also leaves the drainage way along the south side of the property undisturbed, 
while connecting infrastructure gaps with readily available utilities already at the site. Uh, this property is already in the Southeast Lawrence uh, Sanitary Sewer Benefit District and has water line and other utilities at the site. Um, and as Sandy mentioned, with the right of way, completing the, the surrounding street network. Uh, the setbacks, um, we, we found that by squeezing the setbacks, uh, that five feet helped with uh, the separation between the buildings, uh, maintaining 10 feet. It also helped us meet fire requirements of an access road within 150 feet of every exterior foot of a building. And in reality, what, what is within that five foot is the porch overhang, roof overhang of the porch where the principal buildings still all meet the 25 foot uh, setback. So uh, also of note, we, we did back in October have a neighborhood meeting that was all positive comments. So overall, this project checks a lot of boxes and I am here for any questions you might have. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, now so we turn it over to public comment. There's still no one in the room this evening. Is there anybody online that would like to speak to this project? Seeing no one raising their hand online, I'll bring it back to the commission for discussion. Nobody wants to start, then I'll just say, I think the checking of the boxes is pretty straightforward. It's infill, it's different types of residential uses for this. I applaud all the, the open space and connectivity. Um, these are the kind of developments that I think we like to see and really are consistent with plan 2040. More of the comments? Okay, how about a motion? Make a motion, if I may. Um, and I let me just say, the motion for the first yes. item, item number five, the request to rezone. Correct. Um, so um, I move that we recommend approval of the request to rezone approximately 5.64 acres from AG2 district to RM12-PD uh, district based on the findings presented, presented in the staff report and forwarding to the city commission with a recommendation for approval. Can I have a second? Commissioner Javour, and any further discussion, comments? Seeing none, could you call the vote, please? Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Duvor? Yes. Commissioner Hayden? Yes. Commissioner Munch? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Motion passes 7-0. All right, then how about a motion for um, for the preliminary development plan? Uh, a motion to approve the preliminary development plan uh, PDP-22-00318 for the estates of Lawrence and forward a recommendation for approval to the city commission based upon the findings of fact presented in the body of the staff report and subject to the condition listed in the staff report. Thank you. A second? Commissioner Carter, any further discussion? Could you call the vote, please? Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner yeah. Yeah. Commissioner Hayden? Yes. Commissioner Munch? Yes. 
Commissioner Thomas. Yes. Motion passes 7-0. All right. Thank you all for now. Thank you very much for presentations and um, applicant. Item number seven, consider approving a special use permit for the expansion of a legally non-conforming bar lounge use, the Red Lion Tavern, um, downtown commercial. The staff presenting this project is Kyle Covey. Thank you very much. Kyle Covey with planning. Uh, the application before you now is for a proposed expansion of existing bar lounge use downtown, as you just heard. The Red Lion Tavern, located at 944 Massachusetts Street, is requesting to expand into the adjoining tenant space addressed as 942 Massachusetts Street. Red Lion is an existing legally non-conforming bar lounge use in the CD district. These legally non-conforming uses are exempt from the standards contained within Section 20-5095 of the Land Development Code which are the standards that restrict alcohol sales to no more than 45% of the total sales for the use. The subject property has been classified as such since the adoption of the downtown alcohol sales restrictions. As stated in section 20-1502 of the Land Development Code, nonconforming use expansions greater than 15% of the existing floor area require special use permit approval. And since in this case, the proposed expansion exceeds 15% of the existing floor area, that's why this item is before you tonight. Application materials provided by the applicant label the proposed expansion area as banquet space. The expansion area would be used for small events or private parties, such as wedding showers, birthday parties, and other similar events. And when not reserved for private events, the expansion area could be available as overflow area for the existing bar. As this application proposes the expansion of the existing use, the same grandfathered provisions that apply to the existing use would carry over to the new space. Approval of this SUP would not constitute approval of a new grandfathered bar lounge use. The applicant is not proposing any exterior modifications to the property other than a change to the door that the expansion space has off of Massachusetts Street. Some interior modifications are anticipated if the SUP is approved, such as the addition of doors providing access between the two spaces, walls which demarcate the customer service areas on the west side from the storage areas on the east side of the expansion space, and the addition of a small bar and sink in the customer service area on the west side of the proposed expansion area. Somewhat related note, I just want to make mention of a slight error in the staff report. The figures in the site summary table on pages 9 and 10 of the staff report have the addresses flipped. 940 Mass should have been labeled 944 Mass and vice versa. Um, so sorry if that caused any confusion. Um, to summarize, the expansion would not create a new separate bar lounge use. The expansion area is smaller than the existing use based on overall floor area and customer service area. No significant change to the exterior of the property is proposed. And the expansion would take place at a location that has had these types of uses for several decades and therefore does not seem to represent a significant change to the character of the immediate area or downtown in general. In conclusion, staff is recommending approval of the special use permit to permit the expansion of the existing bar lounge use and forwarding said recommendation for approval to the city commission. Um, that concludes my presentation. I see that the applicant is here with us tonight, and I will be available to help answer questions as well. Yes, thank you. The applicant um, tonight is Chris Cunningham, CT Design and Development. Good evening, uh, Commissioners. Um, I'm Chris Cunningham from CT Design and Development, as you noted. Um, appreciate your consideration on this matter. Um, thank you, Kyle, for all the, the great work on this. Uh, very thorough reporting. Um, I'm here with the owner um, of the Red Lion, Sue and Jerry uh, Neverv. Um, here to happy or happy to answer any questions that you may have about the project and the expansion. 
Um, I'll leave it with that. Um, thank you. Of course, now we'll ask for public comment. There is no one in the room to give comment. Is there anybody online who would like to give comment on this project? Seeing none, I'll bring it back to the commission for discussion. Anybody wish to give this a start? Uh, oh, go ahead. Garrett. If I may, I'll no, just uh, note that it's, it seems to me uh, to be a, uh, a, a use consistent with the existing character of the environs. Um, and I don't have any explicit um, uh, objections mm -hmm. to the proposal. I do have just a couple of um, questions that the space um, as advertised in our, our uh, packet here is for special uh, events um, with a possibility of overflow for regular use. So I'm wondering um, a question to the staff or applicant. Uh, is there any um, check back to see if this is being used for special events or if it just becomes a larger bar area um, most of the time? Is there any way, is there any, there's no follow-up? We don't have, um, Yeah. Oh, sorry, I, there aren't any conditions that are proposed associated with that. I, I don't know that there would be unless there was some kind of like there has to be at least two or no more than a certain amount, something along those lines. But other than a case like that, I don't think that there would be, um, you know, like a follow-up or an enforcement action along those lines. Um, my only, my only concern that I bring this forward is I'm, I'm kind of curious. Um, you know, I would have liked to have heard from the chamber of commerce or downtown Inc. Um, about the opportunity cost of, utilizing that space for another use as opposed to a bar a retail use or as 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 proposed as an event space i think is an alternative use but if it's just an expansion of a bar i wonder about the opportunity cost in downtown uh, for another type of use but i don't we don't have that information from chamber of commerce or downtown inc i don't know if the owners would like to to comment um on that in terms of uh, what their plans, what they foresee this this site to be, this expansion. Um, so I'd invite the the owners to comment. Um, our intent is to meet a need that has been demonstrated to us uh, for the last couple of years, people looking for event spaces, small event spaces. This is going to be a space that will serve under 50 people. Um, so we're talking again, small space. We're a small space anyway. Uh, and um, But that's a need. We constantly get the request. Um, and we see this as a way to meet that, while at the same time being able to meet the uh, few times a year 
um, for major events, Final Four, World Cup that we just had, we could have used some extra space for some of those big things. But mostly it's to do events. We, um, we see this as a use that would maybe be two or three times a week, um, maybe not as often, um, but uh, that's, that's our proposal. That's how we envision it. Thank you. And, and what kind of event, to say a, a special event, but what would be an example of that? So the things we get requests for are usually family-related, graduations, uh, uh, wedding showers, those kinds of things. Um, they're, again, smaller events and um, that are, you know, they want to be able to do a couple dozen people or, you know, like I said, the space is envisioned to serve uh, no more than 50 people, fewer than 50. Okay, thank you. Other comments? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter. There's a lot of discussion about bars downtown. We have the rules and all that, but this is the second time that I remember a request for expansion of a non a permitted non-conforming bar that doesn't have to meet the 45% rule. Um, the last one was we recommended approval. It was approved. Uh, I don't see that this is any different from that, but we've also triggered by that first one, the request by John Brown Underground that we had just recently, which the city commission just put a <clears throat> issued. We're not going to enforce the rules until we update the land development code for spaces under 3000 square feet that are bars. So there's, a, and they used <clears throat> the bottleneck expansion <laughs> as their reason for being here. So what, what we're doing is we're triggering this big discussion. We're already in it. We've already approved one of these. So I really don't see how we could say no to this one right now. Um, and everything we do with the land development code update, we're going to be creating permitted non-conforming uses for everybody that's down there already if we change the rules. So, you know, I know how small this one is, but that's not really where I'm why I'm thinking this way. I'm thinking we've we have approved an exact same thing for another one. Yes, um, we have. But I'll ask Jeff if um, he would explain that this is entirely discretionary. Yes. That we don't. No, we're not bound by that. I don't want to make that impression on anybody. I'm just saying that this is a big ongoing discussion. And the city commission has been weighing in. And it looks like this is going to be part of what is thoroughly examined in the update of the land use development code, what happens with, with that and what the nature of downtown is. The downtown plan, master plan, I don't, it's not complete, is it, Jeff? The, or is it complete? The downtown plan? Yeah. It is complete and been adopted by the commission. Okay. So now we have a plan. So this has been reviewed against that plan and it's not in violation of the current downtown plan either. So it's... So all the reasons we would have had like five years ago to say no, <laughs> they've all been modified. So 
And, and Commissioner Ashworth, I think to your question, that special use permits are a discretionary permit. So you you look at them in the context that they are in. There's not, uh, you know, they may be a different context from one establishment to the other. So it's not that, it's not like a rezoning where you have to find certain things. You still have to find golden, but they are a discretionary permit the city commission can grant if they choose. Thank you. Since it is a special use permit, there is a mechanism to revoke the special use permit if it is bound to create a nuisance or be out of compliance with what's contained in the requirements under the special use permit. So there are protections there. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. I have a question. I... I'm not sure if it's in here. I'm not seeing a time limit. So is there like an automatic time limit on um, specific use permits or would this just be indefinitely unless something was it would, it would go with the land, with the property for as long as it's used for the purpose that the special use permit. So if there's a change in ownership, it would continue as is. But if they stopped using it for some period of time, it would go into non-conforming status. And then they'd have to register to maintain their non-conforming status. And if they failed to follow all those current existing rules, which may change too, eventually it could be revoked just for non-use. That's another reason it could go away. But okay. The key with the special use is it can also be abandoned by actions of the owner. So if they choose to remodel it into a restaurant, going away from that use, it would be considered abandoned. It would no longer be able to come back as that bar use. So that is that is an item there. You can't abandon a special use permit as much as anything else. Okay. And then I just want to follow up to that. I don't see any conditions placed on this special use. Like, and not, I'm not looking for them, but you had said something about they can be revoked if it's not in compliance with the special use, but this there really isn't anything here to not be in compliance. I think this type is actually if it becomes a public nuisance. Yeah, it usually runs. It's in, just built into the statutes or something. Correct. It's built into the statute for the special use permit, and it gives the grounds for the revocation or the bringing it back for the conditions. And that process is lined out, and it goes to the city commission to go through that one. So it's all built in there on on that detail. Okay. Thank you. All right. I have to admit my only hesitation is a little bit is the opportunity cost um, for another uh, type of establishment um, besides a. a uh, a non-conforming um, bar use, but I, I'm not hearing any concerns from Downtown Inc. or Chamber of Commerce, or uh, this is a pretty small expansion. Uh, so I can't find really reason enough to be that concerned that I would that I would vote against it. Although I, I, I am so reluctant, to, I would hate to have this be a this become a, a thing where there's multiple before we get the land development code and the city commission decides what it's doing with the, the alcohol sales. Um, I would hate to have this balloon, this sort of activity balloon, but I, I don't want it at this point. Then I guess I, I have another question for you. Then. So if in light of all those discussions, mm -hmm. if we were to grant this mm -hmm. and then something happened there, the special use permit though would always be in existence even if the new code and new laws and everything changed or how is my i mean i just want to make sure i'm understanding that correct all of these things are like exemptions and they will be exemptions forever is that correct they are grandfathered correct there, there's two things at play here you have a non-conforming use in the terms of the liquor license and you have a special use permit in play and so the non-conformity will ride 
until either it goes the code comes back in that direction it makes it a conformity or it'll stay in that situation until somebody either actively abandons that non-conformity or switches it to something that does conform so the moment you do conform then the non-conformity would go away that is, that's component one of this one for a special use permit when codes change there's typically a uh Words slipped my mind, but there's a statement in there that says if you have a special use that was granted under an old code, you are considered there and you can continue to do that. And it typically will show up as an automatic SUP. So old SUPs that were done under the 1966 code automatically came forward and said you have that use and that right provisions that are still there and it grants you going forward. Because we'll then typically say if you're going to modify it or do something, this is the process you would use to modify those going forward. So it would carry that land use forward, but it may outline a different provision for review or different criteria that maybe is incorporated by the code if they ever need to revise that SUP or go for an expansion of one. Thank you. Isn't that fun? <laughs> Sharon, as you yes. said, though, we are not bound this decision that we made doesn't bind us to the next decision, no matter who applies. That's correct. We are, we are not bound by any other decision. Yeah, if we find, you know, the next one might be one too many for what's happening, that's, we get to talk about that. Right. Yes, I guess I'm not willing to make a stand on this one at <laughs> this point. Um, hopefully, by the time the next one comes along, we'll have a, more discussions about what the ratio is going to be to food to alcohol, and and we'll have the development plan, the master master plan for downtown, a little more hammer, you know, active. Let's put it that way. And I so think it's it, it's really good that you bring it up that it's in everyone's mind mm -hmm. right, and try to absorb what's been going on, what you observe the uses are, what works what doesn't work that comes before us it all it all builds on each other and that's why we can look at the cumulative effects we'll hear incremental effects all the time so i hope we can watch for that mm -hmm. <clears throat> but like i said this one's in flux we're getting, i think right. we're going to get a lot a lot <clears throat> what the city commission ends up adopting as new alcohol rules i don't know where we're going but we already have it permitted in some retail shops we <laughs> have it you know we yeah which is a part of my concern for expansions in general yeah um, so yeah we could have a bar in the back of the t-shirt shop but you know right it's like <laughs> as long as 45 percent of your more than, it's no more alcohol is no more than 45% of your sales. So you have to sell, you know, 55% t-shirts, but I need to have a bar. I will say I appreciate um, the red lion people for coming and saying, look, we have seen a need. It has come to us. There is a demonstrated need. And here is what we are going to do to take care of it. And then they come to us and we can, we can decide. We look at it, and we did. Mm -hmm. So I, I appreciate that. I appreciate the not to go back to John Brown Underground, but I appreciate that that um, businesses in the city have a place where they can come and present a case for what they needs to 
what they think needs to be done on an individual basis and that that's how we look at it. And so I appreciate that. And I haven't been involved in Mm -hmm. some of the other things that we have done, uh, but I appreciate that we are there for the businesses, for the people in Lawrence. If uh, whatever the Lawrence Downtown Inc., whatever it's called, if if they choose not to speak for whatever reason, then I think they have spoken. So I, yes, um, and the applicants have been able to, art- yes. to articulate what I was curious about. Yeah. Do they have a need, yeah. and there was no right. no comment um, right. otherwise. So yeah. Anything else? Okay, can we entertain a motion? <laughs> Mr. Carter. Um, I recommend that we approve the special use permit SUP-22-00348 to permit the expansion of an existing legally uh, non-conforming bar lounge use uh, located at 944 Massachusetts Street into the adjoining tenant space addressed 942. We have that right? 942 and 944. Yeah, 942 Massachusetts Street. Sorry, Kyle, is this where it needs to be inverted? Okay, sorry. Uh, I'm just going to rephrase um, that uh, the legally non-conforming bar lounge use at 942 Massachusetts Street um, uh, be um, uh, permitted into the adjoining tenant space at 944 Massachusetts Street. It's just the opposite. It, you had it right the first time. Oh, oh no. well. <laughs> Kyle, see what you made uh, me do. Yeah, the inversion was that table, but I'm now oh, seeing okay, what, what I have caused. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> did Did you say we're recommending approval, or did you say we approve it? Do we recommend approval? Okay. Do I need to do this all over again? <laughs> How about we just do it all over? I would have a second. So you okay, sure. I, really I, make, I, I, I would like to move <laughs> that we recommend approval of the special use permit SUP 2200348. Uh, to permit the expansion of an existing legally non-conforming bar lounge use located at 944 Massachusetts Street into the adjoining tenant space address 942 Massachusetts Street. Thank I you. second. We have a second. Commissioner Hayden, any further discussion? Could you call the vote, please? Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Duvar? Yes. Commissioner Hayden? Yes. Commissioner Munch? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Motion passes 7-0. Thank you all. Thank you you to the the applicant. (laughs) Um, Have a good evening and safe travels. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Um, item number eight, consider approving a preliminary development plan for 6th and Monterey. Uh, the staff planner presenting this project is Mary Miller. Welcome back. Thank you. Yes, I will share my screen again. And um, as you mentioned, this is a, re- a revised preliminary development plan for the 6th and Monterey, Monterey Way. It's going to be sharing. Try it again. Hmm. Are you seeing this? It just seems strange that I'm getting this message. I think the small it's, gray X in the upper right, if you, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. Down. no down. 
in the gray box in the gray box the little square the little x in the thank you light. yeah that was hidden thank you very much I'm trying to point to it <laughs> and this is a revised preliminary development plan for the six and monterey pcd or planned commercial development the property is located in the southeast corner of the intersection of West 6th Street and Monterey Way. It's outlined in bold. It, um, there's been a few properties that have zoned out of this planned development, but the area within bold is still in this. Um, the subject property is highlighted in yellow. It is one of the few properties that are have not been developed. We have 800 Monterey Way, and then there's properties up just north of 7th Street that haven't developed yet. The preliminary development plan is being revised because the final development plan that's being proposed for 800 Monterey Way varies significantly from what was approved on the preliminary development plan. And so with development plans, it's necessary to go back and revise the preliminary development plan before the final development plan can move forward. And this development began in 1988, and the subject property was planned for apartment development at that time. Um, this figure kind of shows how the property has evolved over time, how the plans for it have evolved. The top graphic is from 1996, and it shows four apartment buildings, and it was for the um, an entire parcel on the southern side. In 2015, this was revised. Uh, the area was reduced so that a single dwelling could be maintained on this eastern part. This was platted as a separate lot, and um, a single dwelling was retained, and then a contractor shop was installed. The apartments were reduced to three buildings, but the basic overall shape was the same. We had the, the apartments to the south and then the parking to the north. At the bottom, we see what's currently being proposed. It's still on that reduced area, but the apartments are being proposed to be changed to detached dwellings. So this change is significant from what was planned before, and that's why this plan is before you today. Uh, this, um, I'll go through the changes from the most recent preliminary development plan to the current. Um, with the most recent development plan, the three two-story apartment buildings would have a total of 30 dwelling units. And with the current proposed plan, there would be 16 detached dwellings. So this is a reduction in density. However, um, even though it's a reduction in density, um, the detached dwellings, let's see, the density was changed from 17.6 dwellings per acre to 9.4 dwellings per acre with a change to uh, detached dwellings. However, this density is very high for detached dwellings. If this were being developed under base zoning rather than a planned development, it would require RS3 zoning, which is our highest density detached dwelling zoning district. On the plan, you can see they have the two different types of housing. Um, they have the Smaller houses are shown in tan, and then the, the different style is shown in blue. The green area is the common open space. This is available to all residents. Uh, the gray areas are the access drive and the parking areas. And the white area is just open space. Um, there's a detention pond planned in the southwest corner. So there would be 16 dwelling units. They would take access to a private road on the north, which is Morgan Lane. They would take access from two curb cuts. And um, each house will have a single car garage or would have a single car garage with a parking space adjacent to it. 
And then there are parking spaces proposed scattered throughout the site. Um, there's three in the middle on each access drive. And then at the southern part of the access drive, there's two spaces being proposed. And uh, there was a parking modification included in the packet. And um, the reason for that is because with our development code, uh, when it requires two parking spaces for each dwelling, um, to go above or below that requires either a waiver or variance or modification. And with a plan development, it would be a modification from the city commission. And the city commission um, can approve a modification to require either less or more off-street parking than is required by code. So in the applicant's request for a modification, he noted that um, the additional parking scattered throughout the site would uh, be parking for guests, and that would reduce the need for people to park on Morgan Lane or on the access drive, and that would increase the safety of the area. He also noted with that the greater pervious area with this development, that the uh, additional parking area, the pavement area for that parking uh, would be mitigated with that greater impervious surface. This graphic shows the proposed development um, in relationship to the surrounding area. We have multi-dwellings to the north and the northeast. And um, the do I mentioned directly to the east. We have duplexes uh, to the south, and then we have detached dwellings to the west. So this development would provide a transition between the multi-dwelling and the duplex or detached dwellings. And um, as I mentioned, this had been planned for multi-dwelling development since 1988 and has not been developed. It's been revised once to reduce the density somewhat, um, but it may be that this is just not a suitable location for multi-dwelling. And so the applicant proposing detached dwelling, um, which our housing inventory has indicated the city has a need for additional detached dwellings. And so staff is recommending uh, that you forward the preliminary development plan to the city commission with a recommendation for approval based on the findings of fact. Um, and also we're recommending approval of that modification requested from the parking requirements with a recommendation for approval. And the conditions we're recommending um, are pretty minor. There's some changes to the plan. One is to update the full preliminary development plan sheet with the changes approved for Monterey Way. And um, I received an email today with that plan set. So that condition is more than likely met. I haven't had time to review those plans yet. Uh, item B lists the previously approved variances. I believe those are listed on that plan as well. A final plat would need to be recorded prior to the recording of the final development plan. And the last condition is just a technical condition um, required by the municipal services and operations engineer. It has to do with the downstream sanitary sewer analysis. Um, they just want to agree on the data um, that's been provided. So that's kind of a minor technicality, but it's just being included to make sure that uh, is met. I believe the applicant is here today and um, I'll be happy to answer questions if you have any for me. Thank you. And mm -hmm. the applicant I believe is in the room, Alan Balot. If I pronounce that incorrectly, please correct me. <laughs> I'm Alan I'm the architect representing the, the property owners, uh, the Morgans. Um, this is like the, the previous uh, item before you. It checks all the boxes. Uh, it's infill development. It meets a crisis need for single family housing. And all the utilities are available. And Mary described it all. I don't think I could do it any better. I do have one issue, though, that Mary was writing this I think Mary was writing her, her staff report two weeks ago, 
and we were passing documents back and forth. And she makes no mention that I requested that the condition from the previous development plan that Morgan Lane be extended to Comet, Comet Lane be waived. It's on the plan, but there's no mention of it. And I don't want to pull the wool over anybody anybody's eyes that Mary and I just may have miscommunication. Mary? Yes, could, could Mary, could you she comment on that? She's there. Oh, yeah. Um, it's my understanding that Morgan Lane will be extended to Comet Drive. Uh, the plan shows it being extended, and that was a condition on the 2015 preliminary development plan. So I haven't received any information about not extending it. It's on the plan that I sent to you on the 6th, and that's why I wanted to raise this issue, because I don't think you caught it. And, and we were we were exchanging a lot of information back and forth. A change to that degree, I think, would have to be discussed by the, the uh, fire code official and MSO engineers, because I know that was required by the city commission when this went forward. It's had a, a crooked path. I know when it was originally approved back in 1996, they prohibited the connection of Morgan Lane to Comet Lane. And I don't know exactly why. I don't recall why. Uh, right. But for continue connectivity, just connecting it to Comet Lane, you know, I think staff would require that. And I did not notice if you made a change on the plans you submitted. Oh, that's, why, that's why I want to bring it up, because it's on the plan. And if you approve it without that discussion. It I appreciate implies, that. I was trying to trying to pull something over on you. And I wasn't. We just didn't communicate because of the, the document, ex document exchange around the 6th, 7th, 8th and 9th of November okay. or December. Excuse me. Um, during our discussion, um, once we get through public comment, um, if we'll, we'll look at a map and um, I'll ask um, about the know. procedure for Going where we should go with this. The first item on your agenda, maybe this isn't the appropriate mm -hmm. arena to make that request. I, I would have to defer to staff to ask about that. But let, let's finish with this. Thank you. Okay. Um, and we'll we'll you'll, we'll have you right back up there in just a moment. <laughs> uh, but we'll move to um, public comment. There's no one in the room. I'm going to ask if there's any public comment online. Seeing none, I'll bring it to the commission for discussion and questions. <laughs> so first off the bat, let's see. Um, Mary, could you bring up a graphic that we can use for this to show us? where the potential discrepancy is and the discussion surrounding this connection. If uh, someone might be quicker than I, if you already have it up, I'm gonna pull up the plan from the agenda. Uh, and page, uh, it'll, it'll take me a minute to get this up. Say page 188, I think, or, or, or page, 14 of 23. <laughs> Traffic. Page 188 of the packet agenda. This is stuck. I'm just about there, I think. There's Morgan Lane. 
no, I'm not finding something I can really look at. Um, could you say those page numbers again? Page one eighty-eight. With the, the the one if we're just looking at this particular. Well, yeah, one eighty-eight seems to be the nineteen eighty-eight plan. Um, we, we have I'm looking at page one eighty-five and one eighty-six are the ones that I see that seem contemporary. Yeah, I'm I'm not on that conversion. Okay, so I see Morgan. No, I see Morgan Lane. And it's so state the what exists now. It is not currently connected now. Okay. Oh, I can't see it. Is this the only place we can see it? Just stops. Let's see if I can share here. So Morgan Lane and like hence these trees. So this is Morgan Lane, and this is the connection to Comet Lane. And it is not currently connected. And the question is that the plan that you submitted, Mr. Balot, yes, that Mary Miller has not seen, makes that connection? She's seen it because she's made comments okay. on it, but okay. she didn't recognize the request for that variance. That's why I bring this issue okay. up. Okay. Okay. So the plan that we're looking at shows a connection. It shows a connection. Okay. And I'll stipulate that in 19 or in 2000, 15, we agreed to make that connection. Okay. And Mary, you've said that that, need to, that connection needed to be reviewed? Um, I was under the impression it was going to be made with this plan. And so in my staff report, I just noted it would be made. I believe the fire code official also looked at this with the thought that the lane would be connected. So I think our reviews were based on this connecting as it's shown in the plan. I don't I don't recall the fire official making any comment on this back in 215 and he didn't in these comments, but I'll be glad to review it with him. Yeah, Commissioner Carter. Thank you. Um, uh, just looking at the plan again, you know, I guess it's page 185 of our packet. There's an annotation where at the juncture of Morgan Lane and Comet Lane that says extension of Morgan Lane and installation of a sidewalk across lot one shall occur concurrently with the development of lot two. That's correct. Am I miss, how, how am I misreading that? You're not looking at the little triangle or the little diamond below it that says V3, uh, which goes down to variance. Aha. Uh -huh. Okay. Okay. Request waiver from extension of Comet Lane. Request waiver. Okay. So that's what I want. It's the waiver. Okay. So could staff advise us on how we would proceed at this point? What is it actually we, we should be looking at? Well, staff has not reviewed the waiver request, so we can't make a recommendation to you. So you, if you, uh, you could return it to us so that we could review it and return it to you with a recommendation on the waiver. Or, you know, I defer to Jeff if he has another thought on that. I would I'd concur with Mary at this point. I think if there's a if there's concern about that, because what we've reviewed it is with that connection there, I'd recommend the planning commission defer the item so that we can review it with, and then bring it back to you with a full staff analysis on that with that waiver request and in, in included. And so um this is not something we you're recommending that staff review this. This isn't something that we could 
Correct. Except at only because we would want to have the fire marshal and municipal services and operations take a look at it to make sure there's not some other compounding feature, such as if we don't make that connection, does it affect the fire code or have another analysis? We just don't have that available this evening. So in light of that, I would recommend deferring it so we can get that analysis from those officials. Okay. Thank you. Um, I, so I, I think that's the right thing to do. That's why I brought this up. Okay. okay. Um so if you if you're so requesting a, are you requesting we defer it also no i want to i would like to have the development plan approved you can strike the variance oh and we can discuss it at the staff level and i can make a modification later one way or the other oh i see okay, so the variance connect it's what yeah. we choose to send it back That's to staff to get the input from the other agencies or but if yeah, the variance what we have now, but if the variance isn't, we can't just strike the variance at that's this right. meeting. That's so right. that I think that's the issue is we can't just decide to strike the variance. I'm not asking this for meeting. it. But that's what I mean. Oh, strike it. No. Oh, I see. Yeah. Because it's in the plan. Right. But it's not in the staff recommendation. It, it is in this, as my understanding, it is in, in the staff I mean, before us is a plan that requires them to connect, connect, and everything requires that connection. The recommendation and everything is built upon that, that connection. And I'm hearing someone correct me. Um, we don't have the right to take out the variance, um, right? Re request. We don't have the right. So the variance is in. It's drawn. Okay, so it's drawn with a connection with the variance to not be connected. The variance request is to not be connected. And the staff recommendation yeah. um, just says recommend the plan, doesn't necessarily talk about the variation or the um, connection one way or the other. So the only thing that would be before us would be to actually approve it as is, which would require um, that it not be connected, right? We'd be recognizing the variance. Would it, it recognize approved it tonight? Would we recognize the variance? It would recognize the variance. Would it? Because the variance is in the plan. Is that correct? Well, no? so I planned the variance request is in the that's plan. That's why. Variance but I'm well, but the staff, if we could just ask, uh, ask staff for the uh, a technical clarification here. We'd have to probably still end up reviewing it because the note on there says it shall make the connection and then it has V3 indicating a different item there. And I'm not sure how those two coincide in the totality of the review. So I'm not sure we'd be able to render a good a good answer for you on the fly this evening related to that item and this is just a okay well, are we, we're not even sure whether this would have to take the form of a variance request with public notice under when you run under a development plan you can take waiver requests to the city commission but those are typically been reviewed by the planning commission with that in stake and also reviewed by the other entities with that knowledge in mind, because when you start affecting connections like that, you do have implications for fire code, potentially for utilities and other things in there. And I, I, with what we have tonight, I don't know if we have enough information to be able to give you good advice and guidance on the code requirements and how it may affect the overall design of the site. So we're at a point you can't even answer our questions yeah. about what Correct. We all mean. Right. We're probably not in a position to answer that question because we don't the if the reviewers were looking at it with that connection being made, then they might respond differently on those reviews if that's not being made. And I don't know the answer to that just off the top of my head. 
So for, for the benefit of us and for the benefit of the applicant, what would the timeline potentially look like um, if we deferred this tonight? We try to get it back as fast as we can. I think we could, you know, in some respects, again, knowing January has got a bit of stuff going on, but if we could get it back, we try to get it back before that meeting, if at all possible. Well, this is one I would encourage to get it back, even if it makes even. our meeting longer in January, to get it back that quickly. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, I think we could handle it pretty fast, yeah. most likely. We can, we'll we see. can punish yeah. you for your honesty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I appreciate I appreciate you bringing yeah. this up, and I would concur as quickly as yes, get back, exactly. mm -hmm. look at it. Let's do it. Make it do well. It. I yeah, this has been deferred, possible. not by my doing. No, this is yes, no, this is sitting. planning commission yep, meeting. This, this is, is coming here tonight, hoping that we could move forward. If this, I don't understand why you can't approve this with the condition that variance request number three be deleted. I have a question on that. Um, currently before us is the plan, this is me being new, I don't know the answer to this, is the plan as presented is also incorporated into the staff report that we'd be voting on, right? So the in, what we would be voting on is inconsistent. Is that correct? I mean, in the staff report, it's talking about um, the the requirement of a connection, but the plan that it's that's in, being incorporated shows a variant of that. Is that correct? So really what's before us is inconsistent. Mary's probably in a better position to answer this than I am, but my understanding is the reviewers were looking at it with the connection being made. And so that was how they were, were taking a look at it. And that's how the staff report was written was with that connection being made. And, and Mary, correct me if I'm wrong in my understanding on that. That's right. And if I'm understanding Alan right, if he wants to strike the variance request and make the connection, I think you could add that as a condition that that, uh, that bullet point requesting the variance be deleted, but then we would not be considering a variance later. So I think if you actually don't want to make the connection, you would want to defer it. But if you do want to just strike the variance and connect, I think there'd be an avenue to do that with a, a new condition striking the variance. The, the note we asking for the variance. Well, I want to I want to attempt to convince staff that there's a compelling reason why not to make the vehicle connection, not the sidewalk connection. Um, I, I would like that opportunity. If if we can get that on next month's planning commission and come to some sort of agreement, that would be fine with me to defer. You can just said you'd you'd try as, you'd work as hard as you can and work as fast as you can. Well, I want to make sure I, under, I understand the request because it's kind of I want to make sure it's you're asking us to defer the item to review the connection. Yes. Okay. The vehic the vehicular connection. Correct. Only. Not the sidewalk. Sidewalks. Okay. Yeah, and we would make all in, enduring effort to get that on the next one. Can we do that? We'll do our best. Can't ask for any more. <laughs> Well, you could ask for more. Mm -hmm. I try not to <laughs> try not to push my life. <laughs> but I think the way Mr. Ballot would rather it be worded is this is a request of staff to defer it. And he would like to take advantage of this deferral to speak with you about this option. We're happy to speak about the item for sure. There we go. I just I'd like to make a case because things have changed since we willingly made that agreement and i don't deny that in 2015 that's seven years there's a lot of things that have changed 
a lot of them has just happened in the last year and a half. So um, well, it, it strikes me that putting this off a month is going to solve a lot of issues that we could cause more problems doing something tonight yeah. than if we waited a month. Yeah. Do we have to move to defer but, or is uh, it just yes? Okay. Show yes. hands. Everything yeah. else is okay. Well, we're, <laughs> I don't know. We can't, Everything we can't vote on. So we, we do need a motion to defer. I move that we defer this item um, with the idea that staff will try its best to get it back on the January agenda. Is that a good enough motion? Yes. Yes. I have a second. 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 Commissioner Carter. Any question? Yes, please. So I just back to my question. I just wanted to, for my own brand newness, is the plan incorporated in the staff report? So if we were to approve the staff report, we're we're, we're approving all the findings in it, which also includes like the plan, in um, the picture of the plan is attached. My understanding is yes. Okay. We reviewed it with the connection being made for. No, I, I, it's not about this particular. I'm not asking about this. I'm just asking logistically if the plan, like if there's a, um, the staff report talks about the plan and the plan is incorporated. Is that plan incorporated? Yes. The How staff report work? is is directly linked mm -hmm. to the plan submitted and reviewed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, There's an Mary works so fast, she could revise that staff report. She sends me sometimes six, eight emails a day. I mean, <laughs> you do that just like that. So is right, Mary? Yeah. <laughs> so is there any further discussion? Um, I can't see. I don't have. Let me check with Commissioner Munch right here. See if he has his hand raised. No, he doesn't have his hand raised. So um, no further discussion. Uh, could you call the vote, Jeff? Thank you. Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Duvar? Yes. Commissioner Hayden? Yes. Commissioner Munch? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Motion passes 7-0. That motion was to defer until January, Correct. Correct. Nice try, Alan. I just want to make <laughs> Thank you. The acoustics are kind of Thank funny. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Safe travels this evening. Got, I think you got extra leeway because you were actually watching our meeting before you came here. So we don't we don't usually Bonus point. don't usually have this type of conversation with somebody at the podium. But okay, so that concludes our regular agenda. I put everything away real quick. Um, the items nine and ten have been deferred. Uh, do we have any miscellaneous new or old business to discuss? None this evening. Okay, can I have a motion to adjourn then? It's moved. Mr. Carter, second for adjournment. Second, 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 Commissioner Hayden. Any discussion? Could you call the vote, please? Commissioner Ashworth? Yes. Commissioner Carpenter? Yes. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Duvar? Yes. Commissioner Hayden? Yes. Commissioner Munch? Yes. Commissioner Thomas? Yes. Motion passes 7 0. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you all. Safe travels, everybody. Tomorrow, Good. Jeff is not.